best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has been charged with failing to pay federal income tax and for illegally possessing a weapon. Hunter Biden has also agreed to a plea deal with the Justice Department. Biden's son will plead guilty to misdemeanor tax offenses and is expected to reach an agreement on the felony firearm charge. An accounting error at the Pentagon overvalued U.S. aid sent to Ukraine by $3 billion. Reuters cited two defense officials who said weapons taken from the U.S. military stock had been assigned a much higher value than they should have been. The officials also say there are inconsistencies in how the equipment sent to Ukraine has been valued. The error could result in the U.S. sending more weapons to help in the war against Russia. We have some breaking news now to share with you to, on that race to save the tourists aboard a missing submersive in the Atlantic Ocean. The search crews searching have heard banging sounds coming from the depths of those waters. Five people are aboard that missing submersive. It was traveling to the wreckage of the Titanic. Experts say that they have around 30 hours of oxygen left. Let's hope this is a good sign. Heckled by onlookers, 28-year-old Kemal Rideout was taken into custody out of NYPD's Transit District 4 and brought to a hospital for mental evaluation. Police say he's responsible for slashing the legs of three women with a sharp object in separate incidents on the subway. He has four prior arrests, none of which in New York City. Well, we promised you the Victor Webanyama first pitch. He will be the first pick on Thursday night in the NBA draft. All right, guys, here we go. 7-4. Oh, boy. Let's see. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're, they're more often awful than good, aren't they, when other sports try and come to the mound? I got bad news for Bruce Springsteen. If he is, in fact, waiting on a sunny day, he may have to wait until Saturday because the weather forecast calls for a lot of clouds and rain the next three days, which is a little sad when you consider that today happens to be the first official day of summer. That's right, folks. Good morning, You are waking up to the first official day of summer, 2023. But uh, no sun today. We do want to wish from Bruce Springsteen's 
E Street Band. You guys know, of course, I'm very, very close with Stephen Van's aunt, little Stevie. Most of you hate his guts. That doesn't bother me. But the other guitarist in the band, Nils Lafren, is celebrating a birthday today. How old Lou Rufino is, is Nils? He is 90. No, I'm just kidding. 72. 72. The whole band is in their 70s. That seems to be the case. Bruce is what, 73? Is that about right? I mean, he's performing yeah. every night. He's yeah, performing every night. I don't know how he does it. Goes out there for two, three hours. He's in great shape. He's been in great shape for many, many years. But he's um, he's no spring chicken, Bruce. They're all in their 70s, the whole band. Yeah, with with some health issues, too, I think. Right. They all, a constant, bunch of them do. Yeah, and back. they all had COVID on this tour. At some point, a couple in Florida, a couple in Dallas. 73. 73, as I said, yes. Yeah. So happy birthday to uh, Nils Lofgren. Lofgren. You know, the, uh, Lofgren. Like, the last thing you heard on the Open that uh, Justin put together, he does it every morning, does a very good job, was Victor Webinyama. And most of you folks listening to this show have no idea who he is, nor will you even 10 years from now. But Victor is a seven foot four French guy, I believe, who is going to be the number one pick in tomorrow night's NBA draft, which takes place right here at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. And Victor will be on his way to the San Antonio Spurs to play for the America-hating coach, Greg Popovich. Pop is uh, like Steve Kerr, Golden State. Even I hate to say it because I love Jeff, but his brother, Stan Van Gundy, they all hate America. They all stand for everything wrong in this country. And the two biggest loudmouths are Kerr, Golden State, and Popovich, San Antonio. But Victor is on his way to San Antonio but being that the draft is in Brooklyn tomorrow night, they invited Victor, this is a huge honor, to actually throw out the first pitch at last night's Yankees-Mariners game. And uh, you heard the audio there at the very end. We can play it one more time, actually, Lewis. This is ESPN, Yankees-Mariners. The Yankees did win, final score of 3-1 to one behind Garrett Cole, who's having a great year. Here he is once again. He will be the number one pick overall in Brooklyn by San Antonio tomorrow night. Victor Webinyama throwing out the first pitch last night at Yankee Stadium. Well, we promised you the Victor Webinyama first pitch. He will be the first pick on Thursday night in the NBA draft. All right, guys, here we go. 7-4. Oh, boy. Let's see. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're they're more often awful than good, aren't they, when other sports try and come to the mound? He's right about that. So the first three picks, San Antonio, the Charlotte Hornets will pick number two, Michael Jordan. Just a couple of days ago, I believe, sold his share of the Charlotte Hornets. I think he got a couple of billion, to be honest. Uh, they picked number two, and the Portland Trailblazers picked number three. For the local team, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets, they got a bunch of picks. They got pick number 21 from Phoenix in the Kevin Durant deal. They've also got pick number 22 and pick number 51. The Knicks have no picks. But there is a lot of speculation that the Knicks will make some trades to acquire some more talent. And one of the guys that I keep reading about is a guy the Knicks drafted in the first round a couple of years ago, and his name is Obi Toppin. And he may be on his way out 
here in New York. We're going to find out. Again, the NBA draft comes your way tomorrow night. I know you're all pumped up, Lewis, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm ingesting all of it. I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm obsessed with Stockton Rush. You don't Rush. care. Stockton, Stockton Rush, Rush yes. Yeah, no relation to John Stockton no. talking about the NBA. No, you know, my scared. son Gaby loves all this stuff, though. He loves the NBA. There's not a night that we don't have dinner, me and Gabriel, where he does not talk about the NBA. Not a night. He knows every player. He's like, Dad, Scoot Henderson is going to Charlotte. I'm like, get out of here. What? Who's Scoot Henderson? He knows Brandon Miller on his way to Portland. He knows the NBA draft order. He knows, the, now by the way, he knows football too, baseball, even some hockey. But the NBA, my son Gabriel, loves it. And that's why, again, when Terrence Mullen and his Hall of Fame brother Chris Mullen start their basketball camp in Bell Harbor the first week of August, and Terrence invited Gabriel it's such a big deal, a huge deal. So he's all excited. It's like, Dad, can we go to Brooklyn tomorrow night? I'm like, no. No, we can't. I am not going to the NBA draft. <laughs> Are you nuts? Well, wow. I may, I, there was a time I wanted to go to the NFL draft when I was, like, younger and the Giants, you know. But uh, the NBA draft doesn't do it for me. But my son, oh, he loves it. Wow. So, yep, tomorrow so night's they, a big deal. They can go to Gabe maybe on the side and get his input. On well, maybe we'll put Gabe do. on tomorrow. Yeah. And he'll give us the, uh, the quick run, because nobody cares in this audience. Nobody. But I don't do the show for the audience. I do the show for me. Well, he could give a preview. He could give a, a right. synopsis of what all the teams are going to do. It'll be great, right? Teams. Yeah, I'll I think like that would be good. Yeah. Sure. I bet it would be interesting, too, the way he'll do it. Well, here's what I learned about radio. <clears throat> Even if you don't watch the NBA... Even if you don't care about sports, you will listen because of the enthusiasm that the host has. I can't tell you how many times over the years Imus would discuss a story I couldn't care about, but I still listened because I appreciated his enthusiasm and delivery. For example, if I heard one more time about his fat kid doing the rodeo, oh, I was going to kill everybody. That didn't, that didn't intrigue you? Actually, I'm being honest, it kind of did, oh. because Imus was so good at it. But the story itself is pablum, swill. Nobody cares. Nobody. So I will put Gabe on. Look, it's like the submarine story, okay? I just don't care. <laughs> at the risk of sounding callous, I don't want anybody to die. That's the horrible part of this story, that innocent people may have died, and that does bother me. I'm a very sensitive guy, as you know, so when I say I don't care, human life matters to me. And that part really upsets me. But the story that a bunch of millionaires and billionaires got on a submarine to go look for the Titanic is just so out of touch with everyday life. There are guys driving in their cars right now, and women, that work nine hours today, make about $40,000 a year, and they can't relate to this type of stuff. And that's who I talk to. I know there are some millionaires and billionaires listening. I understand that. But there are uh, maybe, maybe point, like the amount of transgenders in this country, 0.03%. So this is not a relatable story. Now, you tell me that there's a school bus on the way to school on the Jersey Turnpike, and there's an accident, and eight kids die, and we're going to talk about that for days. But a submarine on the way to find the Titanic 
at a quarter of a million dollars a ticket? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, people who are maybe not where they're supposed to be. What do you mean by that? I, I It's just, okay, we, you and I, we get on a ship and we go out to an uncharted area. Oh, oh yeah. Where it's yeah. been said, uh, nobody's ever come back from here. Right, like, what, what do they call that, the uh, Bermuda Triangle? Y- yeah. yeah. Or if you, uh, you know, rockets going up to y- y- an unknown uh, solar system. Well, look, remember when uh, Krista McAuliffe, she was a school teacher. And she died right, right. when the uh, satellite exploded in the air back in 85. Yeah. And, you know, for what? Yeah. For what? Right. Well, that was when the Challenger exploded. Yes. I think that was. She was on that flight. Yeah. And yeah. you, you know, everybody, of course, remembers exactly where they were probably when they heard that. <laughs> I know where I was. was. Just I was at my ex-girlfriend Ava's house in Bensonhurst. <laughs> so see, yeah, that's, that's where I was. And I'm like, whoa. A little benchmark for Sid. <laughs> Did that blow up? Whoa. Yeah, I was, that was horrible. I think I was registering for classes at Fordham in the middle of semesters. Do you I see think. it happen? I watched it live. Well, I went back to the station okay. at Fordham and uh, yeah. watched all of it. And it was just because it was so yeah. unbelievably tragic and, and terrible that that happened. But you were into... Hey, this is great. The space program is actually going up and getting further and further. And, yeah, yeah. And then, you, you know, you have, uh, whatever, nine, ten innocent people. It's just it's terrible. Ter- it well, is, I hope they find terrible. these people on the submarine alive. I really do. But um, that's all I want to know. Just tell me if and when they find them. And if they're alive, I hope to God they are. Otherwise, these daily updates. Yeah, about pings. Yeah, and pings knocks. and pangs. And we saw <laughs> some bubbles. Maybe somebody farted. I mean, give me a break. My God. What is this morbid curiosity? <laughs> it is the the minute details of I, how yeah, the yeah. submarine is going through. It is. I'm so happy of... you, you agree with me. No, I just I really I am. And, and by the way, I would bet you a billion dollars that the Iron Man would be saying the same thing. And he had millions. He could have done that trip. But he'd be like, really? Charles, can you tell this son of a bitch? To turn this around, I need the oxygen up here. I need that oxygen myself. (laughs) The captain would have jumped off himself. And now they start giving you the the timeline. Well, they're down to 18 hours. They're down to 12 hours. They're down to 6 hours. Uh, Noam Layden is our newsroom director. He's done a tremendous job of covering this otherwise... Uninteresting story. Uh, Noam, how many hours do these poor people have left? Uh, till tomorrow. Oh, this tomorrow. Yeah. Their, okay. their oxygen will last till Thursday. Uh-huh. So there's a good chance they're all still alive. We don't know. I mean, we don't even know if that <laughs> bangings know. them. You know, there's yeah. this banging every 30 minutes that was happening yesterday. They sure. think it could be them, but they don't know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I, I don't know what you mean. I, I, I just the whole thing is... It could be. It could be them. Maybe it's not them. I mean, right. Yeah, it could be a stingray. It could be, you know, giant Galapagos turtle. I don't laugh about this. People are going to doubt oh, it's, damn it, it, but it. Of course, it's not funny. It's horrible. It's whether you're, I just, you know, I know captivated. It's the morbid curiosity yeah. of people that is, that's what's laughable. Because, and here we go again. Right now, Coast Guard underwater noises detected in search for missing submissible. What does that mean? Is that a submarine? Is that a fancy word? It's like a you know smaller version right. of a submarine. Kind of like Jeff Bezos. 
when he takes his little rocket to to, to the moon, right. and he never gets anywhere near the moon. <laughs> yeah, Nowhere he, near the moon. No. Does anyone care He about basically that? is in the landing pattern of LaGuardia Airport. <laughs> but he says, I'm going to the moon. <laughs> Unbelievable. Rich, you know what? Rich people, they just don't know what else to do. No, because... They don't. I mean, go just be happy going to the country club, play some pickleball, have a dinner. No, they got to go in submarines. They got to go in rockets. <laughs> it's like when William Shatner went up into space yeah. and he circled the moon. That's what something. he did with Jeff Bezos. Right. Circ- he didn't but circle anything. No. They got nowhere near the moon. Right. But what was the point? There is no point. It's just, and everybody do you understand which, which people are bored. They want to do stuff that you can't do. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You guys are sick. I mean, it's, God. It is. It does, I don't get the point. But this yeah. is why, but this is why <laughs> people. Laugh, laugh it up. This is why people don't like rich people. Because it's like, just do stuff that we do and be okay with it. Look, you can fight. Fly first class. I can't do that, okay? Uh, you can stay at a five-star hotel every night. Eventually, I'm going to be at a Motel 6. You can have the biggest house on the block, your own tennis courts, your own pool. I got to go to a hotel for that. Just be happy. What with rocket ships and submarines and what are you doing? What are you doing? Am I wrong here? No. No. I, you've made it past every odd to become a billionaire, right? How many of them are there in the planet? Not that many. Not many. See We've got think. one here who's a wonderful guy, yeah. John Katsimatidis. I love him dearly. Yeah, you don't see him going into a submersible. To go <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even. It wasn't even like a luxury submersible. They were controlling the damn thing with a PS5 controller. Yeah, yeah. it was like an Atari 2600. <laughs> and and, and, and the guy with a joystick in Queens. <laughs> right. Yesterday, I'm watching videos of the guy giving a tour of the thing, and he's like explaining where he got the various parts. And he's like, right. "Oh, I got I got this at Walmart, and right. I got and I got this at Home Depot, and I got this slab of wood at Lowe's." <laughs> <laughs> there was some truth to that. <laughs> That's great. So no wonder they're like of down course. There. With, and no, please. Of course, they probably ran out of battery. Ran out of battery. batteries left downstairs. <laughs> yeah. no, they need they need those little like uh, circle metal ones. That's the kind of battery they need. <laughs> yeah. It's like sitting yeah. in the morning. I need no. the charger. I need the phone charger. Right, here. same what? thing. Yeah. These iron batteries you can find at Best Buy. All right, nobody covers the big stories like we do. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Just so you bastards know, I can't hear a thing today. Because I was sitting at dinner last night at uh, Jameson's. You know that bar, Jameson's, on 129, Lewis? I think. My buddy oh, Eric yes. owns a place. I do. Yeah, I do. And um, sitting there with Danielle and Gabe, and about midway through the dinner, we're talking, it's all good, we're talking about the NBA. And about midway through the dinner, all I see are my wife and my son's mouths moving, and I can't hear a thing. <laughs> Swear to God. And I go, oh, my God, I think my ears just shut off. Let me say this. There is nothing less sexy for a female than her boyfriend and or husband saying, quote, my hearing aids aren't working. (laughs) Talk about the eye, man. So, and right before that, Danielle kind of made like a little intimation that maybe tonight, you know, and I'm like. So she's talking to me. I'm like, well, I can't hear anything. Can't hear. What? Yeah. what? Well, I don't need my ears for sex, thank God, but I, I, I actually I couldn't hear a thing. So I came to work this morning. I still can't hear a thing, but these headphones I wear are so over-amplified. That's why I'm deaf, so I can hear the show. But at uh, 1030, I'm on the way to see Dr. Shelley Borgia and get new hearing aids. What's more sexy than that, uh, 
gnome. That's my life. Nothing. I don't travel in submarines or rocket ships. <laughs> I get new hearing aids. Well, it's a good thing you're not because you wouldn't be able to hear those That's guys. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's not hearing the banging. <laughs> And, and the captain would go, Let's see. <laughs> so, 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 Lieutenant Sid, what do you hear? I can't hear anything. Yeah. I can't hear anything. My, my ears shut off. Uh, I'm yeah, coming yeah, home. Yeah. <laughs> but at least the phlegm block's gone. So there you go. No, that is gone. That's yes. a trade-off. No, we got a big show coming up today. we got to get to this Hunter Biden story. I did book Lara Trump. To uh, talk about Hunter Biden today, we started off at 7.05. He's been doing a tremendous job every weekday morning. Every weekday morning, my main man, Curtis Sliwa. So we ought to move Peter King again. He's very unhappy, very unhappy. Back to 7.40 because Lara Trump is going to be on at 8.30. Then Joseph Takapina set this up. The guy's name is Jason Goldman. He's the attorney for Jordan Williams. Jordan is the guy that in protecting himself and his girlfriend killed somebody on the J train and was let go the next day. Unlike the Daniel Penny story. We'll talk to Jason Goldman coming up at 9.05 and famous chef David Burke. He'll be here at 9.25. The number, as always, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Off and running on a hump day Wednesday with your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is not right. We love Tony Orlando. He's on this station. We love this song, but you can't be saying not three times on the ceiling when they're hearing dings at the bottom of the ocean. I'm trying to give him encouragement. <laughs> not three times. Well, any excuse to play Tony Orlando is always great. Time is uh, Tony's on Saturday nights 
after uh, Cousin Brucey. Right. I love Tony Orlando. Nice. Not three times. You are a genius. You really are. The big story today, and Peter King will talk about it, Larry Trump will talk about it, and others, is that, yes, Donald Trump bans, we finally got what we wanted. They got Hunter Biden, baby. They got him. Sort of. Well, not really. As Donald Trump said yesterday, he basically received a traffic ticket and went home. Now, they got him on tax evasion, a federal charge, and they got him on gun charges. He's going to make a deal for that, too. And to Trump's point, Trump is right. Basically, he got a traffic ticket and went home. Right? No big court proceedings. No handcuffs. No bribery charges, no money laundering charges, no selling secrets to our biggest enemies, nothing. Absolutely nothing. The difference between the way Republicans are treated compared to the Democrats, who of course run this country with Joe Biden as the president, and they still of course have the majority in the Senate. The difference is astonishing. I'm sorry. I don't care whether you despise Donald Trump or not. If you can't see the difference with how this Hunter Biden thing was handled five years for this nonsense, five years, if you can't see the difference, you're either agenda-driven, naive, or stupid, and the truth is probably closest to the latter. It is unbelievable. Florida governor and Republican hopeful, although he's still down even on the CNN poll this morning, by about 25 points to Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis made the point very clear. The difference between how Democrats are treated by the DOJ and Republicans. This, Lou, is Ron DeSantis, cut number eight. Two different sets of rules depending on whether you're a member in good standing of elite society or not. If Hunter were a Republican, he would have been in jail years ago. No doubt about it. But, of course, his father is the president of the United States, and his father is only about six weeks removed from telling the world how proud he is. Now, look, my dad loved me. I went to jail twice. I went to rehab twice. I was a really smart kid on the way to University of Miami and on the way to med school with the world of promise ahead of me. And to be completely honest, I was a loser, a loser, drug addict, didn't care about any real responsibility. It took me eight years to graduate college, and not because I'm stupid. In fact, I'm much smarter than most of you. But it took me four colleges in eight years because I didn't care. All I wanted to do was party and medicate myself. I was not a great guy for a long, long time. And my father loved me. He loved me to death. You guys know how close me and Harvey were. You got to know Harvey through me later in life. And, of course, you people out there are so sweet. Anytime my dad comes up, whether it's his birthday, June 9th, or Father's Day, or any myriad of days that I mention Harvey, you guys are very, very quick to text me, 
DM me, comment on my pages, and I read everyone, and I love every one of them. We were very, very close, but I was not a great guy, and my father was not going around telling everybody, man, I'm proud of City. No, he didn't go around telling everybody, I hate my son, my son's embarrassing me. He didn't do that either. He just didn't talk about me. He just didn't. And Joe Biden, once again, only six weeks removed from telling the world how proud. I mean, here's a kid. Forget about tax evasion. Forget about gun charges. Even taking money. Because the truth is, Hunter made those deals, but he made his daddy rich. This guy is on video after video, smoking crack cocaine. I had a drug problem. I never took video of myself. With prostitutes, hookers all over the world, I'm sorry. I'm sure he loves that kid, and he should. He should. It's his son. But give me a break. Joe Biden, Lewis, cut number one. First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. Liar. I trust him. I have faith in him. You're an idiot. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. That's all you need to know. That's it. And so, despite having a boatload of evidence for crimes that should have been maybe prison-worthy, again, like Donald Trump said, a traffic ticket, Hunter gets to go home. We're going to hear from a whole bunch of folks, including Hunter Biden's attorney, Chris Clark. He was on MSNBC yesterday. Of course, some detractors and people like Peter King and Lara Trump Coming up on the show today. Plus, we'll get some traffic from Joe Nolan. But it is Wednesday. That means it's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. My good buddy, the CEO, Frank Siller, he's going to tell us all about another smart home the foundation is delivering. This time in the great Hoosier State, the great state of Indiana. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Sid. Right now, Tunnel to Towers Foundation is in Lafayette, Indiana today delivering a mortgage-free smart home to one of our country's heroes, Corporal Matthew Bowman. Corporal Bowman enlisted in the Marines right after graduating from high school. He was on a foot patrol in Afghanistan where he stepped on an IED and was catastrophically injured in 2011. Corporal Bowman lost both of his legs above the knees and multiple fingers. Corporal Bowman continues to get back working full-time as a teacher, unbelievable, and coaching his son's sports team. His new spot home is customized to fit his needs with features like automatic lighting and doors, wider halls, special showers to accommodate wheelchairs, stovetops that can be raised or lowered so it's a wheelchair height so he can cook something without asking somebody to help him. And, of course, security systems, the lighting and air conditioning, all controlled off an app. This makes daily life easier, not just for Corporal Bowman, but for his wife, Paige, and their three sons as well. So visit T2T.org for more information on the Foundation Smart Home Program. And thank you as always, Sid. Oh, thank you, Frank. Uh, please, folks, donate just $11 a month for America's Heroes. Do it this morning at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. 
Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. So the world's best built boilers. Garrett Cole did his job for the Yanks last night in getting them back in the win column. Shoving seven and a third of four hit ball to propel the Yanks to the three to one victory over the visiting Seattle Mariners with Cole keeping the Seattle bats at bay. The Bombers, they didn't need much offensive production to back up their ace. So a first inning RBI double out of Anthony Rizzo and then a two run shot off the bat of Billy McKinney. That proved to be more than enough for New York. Tonight it's 7.05 p.m. The Yanks will try and build on the wind with the always reliable, and that, yes, is sarcasm. Johnny Brito taking the hill in the middle game of the series against Seattle ace Luis Castillo, so that should turn out well. On the diamond in Houston, the Mets came back down to earth against the Astros following their big Monday night win, losing 4-2 last night in the middle game of their three-game series. Justin Verlander was good but not great in his return to Houston, yielding four earned runs on eight hits through seven innings of work. New York, uh, New York will go for the series win in the finale this afternoon at 2.10 p.m. Tyler McGill gets the nod in that one against Houston's Christian Javier. Here with sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Take a look around. Look at this. Look where we are. Okay? This could be ours. We can really do great out here. We can make a lot of f- money out here. And that's what it's about. Isn't this the Trafados? Yeah. Yeah. But our crew from New York will run circles around his f- crew. You understand? I've been getting close with the boss down here, the big boss, Santini Trafado. I talked to him about you. I told him about you. I told him what an earner you are. So what he's going to do, he's going to set up a meeting between you and one of his guys. That sounds great. But this Florida, it ain't for me. Some of these Floridians, they're like half dead down here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. I promise you this. We do what we got to do here. No matter what, we're going to find out who put that hit out on you. Not only is it going to be the worst day of our lives, it's going to be the last. Everybody's a dreamer. Everybody's a star. And everybody's in movies. Doesn't matter who you are. There are stars in every city. In every house and on every street And if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard Their names are written in concrete I love that scene. I'm actually in that scene that is Andrew Dice Clay. He plays Ronaldo talking to William DeMeo. plays Benny. Actually, Benny walks into this hotel in Miami, sees me shooting pool, and I direct him to go outside to meet with Dice Ronaldo. So I'm in that scene. And that is a little clip from season two of Gravesend. You've been hearing me talk about this now for two years. Two years ago, April, I made my way down to Miami and made my first ever appearance in a movie or TV show. It was uh, three days. I shot mostly with Andrew Dice Clay. William DeMeo, Chris Mormondo. Of course, I love Peter Gordio. I have come back and shot a bunch of scenes since. 
Once seen at uh, Michael's Restaurant, Chaz Palminteri, Vinny Pastore, Armand DeSante. Just um, a great, great experience. And, of course, since uh, starting Gravesend, I had the chance last year to shoot a major motion picture, which is coming to theaters August 11th. It was called Gemini Lounge. It's now called Inside Man. And uh, that is the real story about the real bar in Brooklyn, the Roy DeMeo mobbed-up Gambino bar with Danny A. and a host of others, Lucy Hale. And uh, who's the kid again? Um, the star from, one of the stars from that Brad Pitt Leonardo movie, the Hollywood movie. He's actually the star of this movie. Uh, and I forgot his name. But uh, either way, Gravesend comes out August 11th, excuse me, comes out June 30th, I believe. June 30th on Amazon Prime and uh, Gemini Lounge, now Inside Man, August 11th in movies. But there's a political bend to this. So we've got our red carpet premiere, which is going to be a huge night a week from tomorrow. The day, uh, Emil Hirsch, thank you. The day before the series starts on Amazon Prime, next Thursday, June 29th, we've got this huge red carpet party. They're going to show the first three episodes. I think season two is eight episodes in all. I'm in two of those three. So me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe are going to Long Island for this big party. And it's really exciting, folks. I mean, to think I'm going to be in a TV series every week, a motion picture all over the next two months is surreal to me. And I begin shooting season three of Gravesend coming up in July. But here's the issue. Yesterday, you may remember... That beautiful lady who ran for governor in the state of Arizona and got jobbed, my new friend Carrie Lake, was on this program. And, in fact, Carrie Lake was great on this show. Donald Trump loves her. Sid Rosenberg loves her. Most good Republicans love Carrie Lake. In fact, she feels like Donald Trump, that her election was rigged, too. And she feels like until we fix the election process in this country, Republicans may be in trouble forever. And I've got a ton of friends who agree. So let's go to this cut, Carrie Lake from yesterday. And I'm going to tie this all into the Gravesend premiere coming up next Thursday. Lewis, Carrie Lake, cut 16. What really happened in your state? Because you seemingly had an insurmountable lead and then you lost. How'd that happen? Yeah, I mean, our, our internal polls, which are the good ones, showed us up 10 points, 11 points. I was running against, um, I mean, just envision a female John Fetterman, Joe Biden combo. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, who could not even <laughs> string a sentence together. I mean, she's practically incapable of speaking, wouldn't debate, hid in, you know, hid at home, never campaigned, didn't have a single policy. And, and we had the entire state excited about restoring our government and giving it back to we the people. And they knew they couldn't beat us uh, with a candidate because they have no ideas on the left. And so they, they simply rolled out an election day that was so fraught with corruption. They, the machines didn't work. On election day when our people showed up, the 60% of the machines were inoperable. at all. They put the bad machines at all the Republican polling places. And um, and basically rigged uh, and sabotaged Election Day. Not only that, they threw in hundreds of thousands of bogus ballots with uh, no signature verification, um, no chain of custody. They did what they did in 2020 with Trump, 
But they did it even more boldly right in front of our faces on Election Day. We had five and six hour lines. It was outrageous. And wow. we're fighting it. We're still in the courts. Well, they're still <laughs> fighting it. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. So uh, now the thought is, the rumor is, is that Carrie Lake, after getting jobbed in the state of Arizona in her gubernatorial run, that now she's going to run for Senate in Arizona. I brought that up. Lewis, Carrie Lake, cut number 17. In the last 30 seconds, and this has been great, Carrie Lake, will you run for Senate? You know what? I'm considering it. I'm still working on our uh, our case right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking with our attorneys later today, and we're working our appeal. I my my goal is to is to restore faith in our elections, and so I'm going to do whatever I can on that front, and I will make a decision on that. May have to do it. I may have to jump in there because <laughs> they tried to, they tried to bribe me out of politics so I wouldn't run again, <clears throat> and ask me how much would it take for me to not run for office. Wow. And if, if the powers that be, uh, the political elite, want me out of politics, something tells me I should stay in. Couldn't agree more. She should stay in. So uh, a lot of the conversation with Carrie yesterday also centered around her new book, which is Unafraid Just Getting Started. That's the title, Unafraid Just Getting Started. And it turns out, you guys may remember, about three weeks ago, I had Judge Janine Pirro live in studio for a full hour, a full hour, because she was promoting her new book, and it was great. I mean great. Well, Sergio Gore has dinner with President Trump about three times a week. He happens to be President Trump's publisher. He happens to be Judge Janine's publisher, and he happens to be Carrie Lake's publisher. So he calls me yesterday, and he says... You had Carrie Lake on this morning. She's raving about it. What a great interview. Would you like to have her back in studio next week? And I said, yes. Bring her in for an hour like you did with Judge Janine. We loved her. He said, I will. One step further. Next Thursday night at Bedminster in New Jersey, President Trump is going to put together a little book party for Carrie Lake, and we want you to come. I said, oh, my God. You picked the one night the one night where i've got something planned there's no way in a million years after filming for two years and being in a big time amazon prime mob drama i'm gonna miss the red carpet premiere it's the same night gravesend premiere and president trump carrie lake bedminster new jersey so for the second time in a week because last week I went to the Met game with Gabriel instead of going to President Trump's press conference in New Jersey after the arraignment and arrest for the second time in about eight days. No Bedminster, New Jersey, for one of Trump's biggest fans, me. You believe that luck, Lewis? The one night. And you don't get those no. too much. <laughs> I said, Serge, you're going to have to find one night where I'm not busy and there's not a book party or a press conference. And just have me and Danielle come out there and have dinner with the president. I want it to be like that. Not surrounded by a 100 people, a 1,000 people. He said he'll do it. Of course, we'll have to see. So that is, uh, that's the story. So Carrie Lake will be back in studio next week. And uh, I will not be going to see President Trump, unfortunately, next Thursday night. But a week, no, not a week even, this Monday... The day after my 31st wedding anniversary, this Monday, this show will come live to you from the gorgeous Ohika Castle. We're going to be doing a show from the biggest 
Celebrity Golf Tournament in the Tri-State area all year long. All done by my dear friend Richard, a.k.a. Big Daddy Salgado. There are some big names on that list. I don't know if they're confirmed yet, but names like Tom Brady, Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, even Aaron Rodgers. We'll see when we get there on Monday, but it's going to be a great show coming your way this Monday live from Long Island. And, in fact, Big Daddy Salgado will join me in studio coming up on Friday. He's driving to New York City as we speak, listening right now. So good Wednesday morning to you, Big Daddy. We'll take a short break. We've got a bunch of great guests today, folks. Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, and Lara Trump, just to name a few. The Hump Day Wednesday edition with me, Sid, is coming right back. George Sanders will still have style. And if you stamped on Mickey Rooney, he would still turn around and smile. But please don't tread on dearest Marilyn, because she's not very tough. She should have been made of vine or steel, but she was only made of. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Folks, today is the first official day of summer. It's been a weird weather year. Not much snow this year. Not really hot yet. Couple of days. That's been it. I'm home. One thing that uh, John Katsimatidis, not just one thing, he says a lot of stuff that is right. A lot. But he keeps saying, you know, you live by the beach. It adds 10 years to your life. I feel so much better in the last five days since I've been home than I did for five months living in Manhattan. Now, look, we've got no kitchen. We've got no glass doors for our showers. There's still a lot of work to be done. I do want to send a shout-out to Rich Clift and Robert. They're doing a tremendous job. Not good, tremendous. And what is done looks gorgeous, but I don't care. I am happy to be home, and summer is here, and there's no better place to be than Bell Harbor and the Ponds at Rockaway Beach. You can have the Hamptons. You can have all of it. I don't care. I uh, love where I am, and I'm happy to be home. Now, every morning at this time, I decided a couple of weeks ago to go from two days to three days to all five days 
Curtis Sliwa, he does a tremendous job. Noon to one every weekday gets big ratings. Then, of course, all weekend long. And he has been not good, but a superstar on this show every morning. So with that said, before we talk about these big council races, I've had a couple of folks on the last two days in Avernikov running in Brooklyn two days ago, Anna Delphaus running in Brooklyn yesterday, and the Bronx race with your friend Mike Rendino. I know you bumped into a dear friend of mine. I've actually dubbed him the king of all Jews, better part of four decades, as a great assemblyman in Borough Park, Brooklyn. My dear friend Dove Hikind, and I think you said he made you, Curtis Sliwa, emotional? Yes, he made me cry, as he did most of the audience at the Ronald Reagan Republican Club that, as you know, I've set up in Astoria to defeat AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her mini-me's, Tiffany Caban, with our candidate, Kelly Klingman, running in city council. So Dove was kind enough to come to our monthly club meeting yesterday. Uh, We have not just Republicans, we have moderate Democrats, because you have to form that coalition to beat the socialists. And it is, uh, you must say, to your point about moderate Democrats, Dove Hiking has been a Democrat his whole life. Now he is becoming increasingly anger with that party, but he still considers himself a Democrat. No doubt. And uh, he gave a speech that was so emotional. He traced his family roots back to Auschwitz. Now I've heard many people speak about the relationship of... uh, what the Holocaust did to their families and extended families. He went into such great detail, it brought tears to people's eyes, and including me. You cried. I cried. When was the last time you cried? I'm curious. uh, When my cat, Hope, died, who had always been with me during the campaign, was the only one who would listen to me at night because uh, Nancy and the other cats would hide and say, enough of this. So so you actually had conversations with the cat. Yes. And you believe the cat answered you back. There's no doubt. Mm. The cat no. was the only one who would tolerate my nonsense. Aye, right? aye, aye. You uh, didn't cry when Eric Adams kicked your ass? No. No. No, no. Because I realized, okay, don't blame me. Right. You know, you're going to have to suffer now, and you're suffering. Well, you know, that's smart because, you know, whether they, whether Joe Biden actually won or it was rigged, now you had to deal with a, a horrible couple of years with more bad to come which makes Donald Trump's return even better. So when you do win, and I'm going to spend the next two years making sure you win, when you win next time, it's going to be because this city realized they made a big mistake last time. Oh, I thought maybe because uh, Eric Adams had a higher calling, he was going to be sharing the bully pulpit <laughs> with Al Slim Shady Sharpton as Reverend <laughs> Eric <laughs> Adams. Uh, God uh, has told me that uh, I am here to save New York. But anyway. <laughs> To the more serious person, Dove Hyken brought tears to my eyes and to many in the audience. He told the story of his family in Auschwitz. And I got to tell you, I've heard many, many stories in the past. Nothing reached me like that. So much so that I'm sitting on a seat behind Dove because the audience is in front. The seat collapses. Collapses because obviously I'm teetering. Not because of the seat, because of me. Right. And luckily I, I didn't fall and hurt myself. I got up, he continued his speech, and I got to tell you, he said, Curtis, this is my last go-round. You know I'm a warrior. He said, I need your number. We got to get more aggressive against anti-Semitism. Because, you know, me and Dove, we've been out there for years. The Jew and the Gentile battling the anti-Semites, saying things that are not politically correct. 
especially about black anti-Semitism and how it is curried and how you get people like Jay-Z. Why do Jews own all the real estate in the world? Meantime, he's a billionaire, right? Right. And how about LeBron James, who uh, once quoted a song? He didn't write it. He didn't write it in his defense, but once quoted a song and said, quote, I've got Jew money. LeBron James. Yes. Oh, oh, they'll take that money, right? Oh, yeah. And then they'll stab you in the back. But anyway, so Dove Hyken said something to all of us. First time he said, and I said, Dove, no, I'm not going to say anything about it. Save it for Sid Rosenberg's show. Wow. The most powerful radio program in the nation. Save it for Sid's show. He made an announcement after all these years. So the next time you have him on, uh, I'm not going to say anything to anybody. Nobody else is. Dove will announce it on your show. Well, I'm going to bring him on tomorrow. Don't forget it was Dove. Thank you for that, Curtis. Thank you very much. Uh, it was Dove when Bernard, God rest his soul, was still here. And uh, Adams was running against you. It was Dove who came on and said, and I quote, there is some history between Eric Adams and Farrakhan. Yes. Yeah, he has the documents. I had the documents. People didn't want to listen. They wanted to believe that this guy was the black Moses, the Mashiach. It was going to lead us out of crime, lead us out of the eight years of Bill de Blasio. And you saw the new poster that I made. Eight years of Bill de Blasio, right? He's lazy, and two years of Eric Adams, he's crazy. I love it. Yeah, I Ten years of destruction. I, I, I know City. that. We actually have a bit that we're going to replay again coming up in about ten minutes. We debuted it yesterday. Very good job by Chris Libertini, Chris Pavona, Dan Urschel. And it talks about those ten years. That lazy, crazy thing I mentioned to Rudy Giuliani on the show yesterday, he loved it. But I see this. Uh, Can I say one thing about Rudy? Sure. As you know, wherever I go, the pigeons follow me. Yeah. You know, Rudy is considered hard, right? You know, he rescued a pigeon the other day, took it to the Wildlife Conservatory. Yeah. They did an operation on yeah. it. This is where you lose people, by the way, just no, so no. you know. I yeah. just want you Talk to know. Talk about cats and Rudy no, saving no, no, pigeons. No, 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 no. This is why you... It's St. Francis of Assisi. Hey, remember, you don't no. believe in our religion. St. No, no, Francis of Assisi, patron saint of all wait, the I animals. I remember Mike Tyson would feed the pigeons, too, after he knocked yes, out yes. innocent people on the street in the Bronx. Yeah, don't you remember? <laughs> Marlon Brando and On the Waterfront. <laughs> oh, good forget. Come on. I could have been a contender. All right, all right. Uh, but so I have, let's get but I have noticed chat. this about you before you get to these city council races. First of all, I love your wife, Nancy. Yes. And you're on record saying of all the ladies you've married, which is over 100 now, uh, that she is the one that really understands you. And she's been going through a difficult time. Oh, very difficult medically. Anything, I mean, any bad news? Not, please tell me. No. It's difficult. I'm okay. not going to say okay. it's bad okay. news, okay. but okay. It, you could see it's wearing on Nancy, and yet... She is soldiering ahead. She does the deep dive on corruption. She has been at the epicenter of bringing all this corruption to the surface. She's been great. But you say it's wearing on Nancy. I was about to say it's wearing on you. Yes, it is. I see it. I see uh, you get very emotional when I played How Deep Is Your Love that morning, and she was sitting about 50 feet less, 10 feet away from you. You both got emotional. So I've known you for a very, very long time. And you are the toughest guy I know. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. You're the toughest guy I know. You dedicated your life with really no reward to protecting New Yorkers for 40 years. And I've always known you're a really, really good person, too. But now, the last couple of years, I'm starting to see a side of Curtis Slewa that, quite frankly, is beautiful. And it just makes me wonder, are you close to death? No. No, no I, okay. I've used yeah. eight 
of my nine cat lives, as Nancy has described it. I got one more to go. One more to go. And as you know, everybody, you know, friends and foes want to kill me. Yes. And help. I tell them, take, you know, when you go to the bakery on Sunday, take the tickets, stand online, because you're not the first that wants to, to put, put me yeah. out of my misery. The right? last time I stood online at a bakery, to see you know, you'll know this place. Yes. There was a little boy. My mother and father were there every weekend. It was on Knapp Street in Brooklyn. Leon's Bakery. Oh, Leon's. Oh, that's so good, right? You had to close your nose because of the surge the pits duty there. Plans. Yes. Right, that, that's me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, to me. That's now, still there. And yeah. you've got a Burger King right across the street, and you had the Bay Club down the block. Yes. Now, that brings us to Brooklyn. I was talking with Doug because we're both working very hard for Ina Vernikoff to get her reelected. As I am, She's yes. battling anti-Semitism. But then I heard yesterday on your show... Anna oh. Bellafure Delafest. She was great, wasn't she? No. Oh, she was great. And I'll tell you this. To say about the candidate, Eric Kagan, that she's opposing in the Republican primary, that he is a communist. First off, forget Curtis Lee. Hold on, let me, let me just read this. Hold on. Hold oh, on. Well, hold on, hold on. And my mic went down limp. In 1991, Kagan left the Soviet Army and the Soviet Communist Party. He said he, quote, gradually became disillusioned with the Soviet communist ideology. So, yes, he eventually did leave, but to Anna's point, before you savage her, he absolutely was a communist. That's Anna's biography. Okay, you so what? There. You had to be that or they'd shoot you in the head. I was in Belarus where he was born. I spent time in Minsk. Let me tell you, the most oppressive dictatorial dictatorship alive. You say anything against that dictator there, they shoot you right in the back of your head. He fled like so many other Jews to where? Brighton Beach, where they discovered America. They're the best Republicans. They support this country, unlike the Socialist Democrats. They say, why would you want socialism or communism? That's what we fled. But meantime, she comes on, she calls him a communist. Do she you was. think that Nicole Maliotakis, the congresswoman, yeah. whose mother fled Cuba in 1959, I've known that woman for years. Love her, yeah. Fled communism in Cuba would be supporting a communist. Do you well, think well, Curtis well, Lee would be defending well, a communist? I, 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 you clearly are, both of you. Wait, a second, you wait a second. He was a did, member of the Soviet Army. He was you, a communist. Did you uh, ask her about the fact that she does not live in Brooklyn? Oh, enough oh, with well, this. Oh, enough with this uh, nonsense. She lives in Staten Island. And by the way, yeah. she lists as her address <laughs> yeah. the house of Sabrina Sorrentino at 79th Street in Bay Ridge. Wow. That's right, Anna. I knocked on the door. Hey, Sabrina, where's Anna? Well, she lives in Staten Island. Well, that's strike one. <laughs> strike two, she said she was a city public school teacher. That's right. And she refused to take the vaccination, yeah. and she lost her job. She hasn't taught in school since 2015. What did she teach in school? 2015. Oh, she was a school teacher. There was teacher. no uh, required vaccination then. Well, well, let me just say this. As you're making that point, I want you to know, that no matter who wins, Kagan, Anna, we need them to beat Justin Brannan, that I received a text from Justin Brannan of course. moments after Anna's interview, and he said the same things you're saying to me. She lives in Staten Island. She's not a teacher. So if you and Nicole are okay being on the same page as Justin Brennan, no thanks. See, no, he thank just, you. He just laid out his campaign if she wins the Republican primary. She's dead on arrival. 
Justin Brannon is tough. He's backed by Eric Adams and his machine at City Hall. I know the guy who just last time ran against him, and he is supporting who? Ari Kagan. So the fact is, you want to win this race? I do. We want to put Justin Brannon out. Yes. Lie to you on your show. Yeah. Over Many and times. over again. Yeah. Remember I said to you, he's lied. He's lied. <laughs> yeah. He was for no cash bail. He was for defunding the police. He hates the police. He loves criminals, but he pretends with you. Oh, Sid, you're my very dear friend. I'm telling you, if you want to beat Justin Brandon, we have to unite in solidarity. The person who could do it is Harry Kagan. He's well known in the projects. He's represented that. He can't That's part of the district. Speak English. I heard him speak at Gracie Mansion. I just took one every four words. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. He was at Gracie Mansion, right? Yes. To fight anti-Semitism, right? Well, he was there to hang out with your buddy Eric Adams. Uh, where was I think it? they had dinner. Uh, 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 buddy, you were buddies <laughs> yeah. with him back then, along with Rabbi Joe Potashnik. <laughs> Was uh, Delphus there, or could she? She was even, not there. No, uh, she, she couldn't no. even find Gracie no, no, Mansion. She, she wouldn't go there because she's so upset with Eric Adams no. and the way he's run the city. Sid, okay, let me, let me ask you right. When yeah. it comes to local elections, yeah. you actually threw your support for a young man of no consequence before. Do you even remember Mike his name? Mike Macuso, who I will say this. What a jerk. No, no, because he got screwed by some guy named Avery who lied about what happened. Wait, wait, wait. Say. He no, didn't even get the signatures. He tried to pimp the name of your oh, this ride. Is, this is alleged. This is all alleged. No, it's not alleged. And uh, then yeah. when he had to leave the race... <laughs> He attacked all of the well, candidates. Well, he's very upset. Yes. Oh, he's very upset. Yeah. He's immature. You shouldn't have even given him a, a microphone any prime well, time. Well, he's Lauren Conlon's friend. Oh, Laura Conlon. <laughs> Lauren, but close What enough, does she yeah. know about politics? What does anybody know except for you, really, and Frank Excuse Morano? Me. That's and it. And Nicole Molly. Oh, no, she's... I that's love Nicole. I love Nicole. That's why it's very upsetting to me that two people like you and Nicole would be endorsing a communist. And, in fact... This candidate that you are embracing, Del, Del, uh, Doofus, what is her name? Delphus, don't ever Del call Faust. her a Doofus. Uh, she lives on Staten Island. You would think, wait a second, yeah. wouldn't Nicole embrace somebody from Staten Island? Not necessarily. Maybe Nicole wants to be the only female in charge over there. You ever think about that? Uh, you don't understand. Anna's running in Brooklyn, even though she lives matter. in Brooklyn. Boy, you are so confused. <laughs> i got to show you the map so you can see why Harry Kagan can beat Justin Brown. I don't think This Ari is can. about beating Justin Brown. No, I agree with you. This is why people like Peter King and Bo Deedle claim they're off the Donald Trump bandwagon because they don't think he can beat Biden, which, of course, is stupid. Of course he can. So I agree we have to beat Brennan. I get that. I understand that. I'm just not sure that Kagan can beat her, and my friend Anna can't. My friend Anna, who I spoke to for the first time ever yesterday. Yes, cannot beat Justin Brown. In fact, he was applauding your interview. So what do you with want her. me to what do you want me to do, Tommy? No, no. What'll I'll, make you happy? You stay neutral. You let the best man or best woman win. Well, how in come the Ari Kagan has to come on this show? Everybody wants to be on this show. If you want to win a race in New York, you come on this Sid, show. Sid. I think he was on with with, with uh, Len Berman and Joe Piscopo. The last person who was in that race yeah. on your show dropped out. Who, Mike? Yes. Well, he was, they lied about him. He, he it was a lied about savage, yeah, yeah. horrible. Let me tell you, that guy was not ready for prime time. So so leave leave the local politics to me. Okay, okay fine. All right, so, now, so now you want me to endorse Ari Kagan right now? 
You could if you want. I don't want to. But you know, I don't want I you like to put, I don't want you to put the curse uh, on Harry <laughs> Kagan here. The, the last guy you endorsed had to drop out. He couldn't even get enough signatures. His own mother wouldn't sign his petition. That's not true. Oh, yes, it is. But anyway, let's turn well, to the, who's worse, Mike Ragusa or Mike Rendino? No, Mike Rendino I because like Mike he's Ragusa. got he's got all the power. And let me yeah. tell you something. Talk about a guy who doesn't live in the district he represents. He's the Bronx County Republican Chairman. And the commission targeted him. Now, the commission consists, as you know, Bo Deedle, Curtis Sliwa, Nancy Sliwa, Frank Morano. We went to work on this. What about Peter King? Peter King, no, he's not part oh, of this. Oh, he's out. Oh, no, no, no. He was in initially. Yeah, let me tell you something. Oh, Peter my King God. is a Eric Adams Republican. What? Absolutely. Oh, my God. So let's determine. No. Mike Grandino. Peter King is coming on in about 15 minutes. Oh, you can ask him about this. All right. Mike Grandino. Lives at 107 Lefferts Road in Garden City. We have established that. He has the star program on his house in Garden City in order to get tax rebates. He has two rentable properties in the Bronx that he's never at. One is 1480 Stadium Avenue. I sent you the videotape of Republicans who are outside shouting, Hey, Mike, you're lying. <laughs> you, you, you vote from this address, you're lying. And some guy won't came out like he was from Bensonhurst in Kenochi. It's all lies. He's voting out of the Bronx, even though he lives in Garden City. That's a crime. Frank Morano has done the deep dive. What do you mean by a crime? Like worthy of jail time? Worthy of jail oh time. My. I'm, I'm pushing this all the way, Sid Rosenberg. You don't lie to the commission. No, no. You gave him an opportunity to be on this program. Well, he actually volunteered to come on before he even did that. And then we did, in fact, give him an opportunity. He has not gotten back to us. Oh, yeah, yeah. As far as he, I know. He, he, he far doesn't far want to come on because you'll eviscerate well, him. And that wasn't because, because of me. No, Remember, it, that it, was Samantha Gerges. Uh, Zerka, Zerka. Zerka, I'm sorry. Another person you're not endorsing because you've no. got George Habernack. That's right. George Habernack is the better candidate. But Samantha came on. Boy, don't mess with a woman scorned. Especially an Albanian woman. That's right. He scorned her, and he is paying the price for that. Everything I'm telling you here, that Bo, Curtis Sliwa, Nancy Sliwa, and Frank Morano have verified, is well known by Republicans right on up to the state leadership. They know it. They hide it. They've been at his house. They've taken all kinds of social networking photos. They are holding on. This guy ran a candidate against AOC, who's destroyed our country. A guy named John Cummings raised $11 million. Where's the money, Mike? I'm coming after you. We're tracing where all the money went. And I can tell you, the first person who made money was Mike Rendino. How else does a firefighter, which you are, own a house in Garden City and two rental properties in the Bronx? Mike Rendino, you're messing with the commission. Votino is all over you. You're like Kim Kardashian on the red carpet. Everywhere you go, someone's photographing you. And by the way, you're at stands, that gin mill across the street from Yankee Stadium, where you overcharge for watered-down bills of beer, and you only take cash. They call that a subway operation to avoid paying your taxes. Mike Rendino, we, the commission, are going to become, and are right now, your worst nightmare.
Kid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. It's been ten years of horror. It's horrible. Eight years under the Blasio, almost two years of Adams, ten years of horror. Since 2013, New York City has witnessed a terrifying reality. Trapped in a paradox filled with crime, turmoil, and pizza rats. All this coinciding with the mayoral elections of Bill de Blasio and Eric Adams. For the last ten years, the people of the greatest city in the world have been trapped in the Twilight Zone. He's creepy and he's crooked, mysteriously stupid. The leadership is putrid, Eric Adams' family. His house is a museum, when migrants come to see him. Mayor Rudy did it better, Eric Adams' family. Crime. Slime. On your dime, he's the swagger man with no plan. Horrible for Manhattan, cause stabbings tend to happen. Eric Adams' family. Wearing my um, humble and hungry sweatshirt today. For most folks who see this one for the first time, so you're neither one of those. You're neither humble or hungry. Now, they may be right about the humble part. I am hungry. Not in the sense that I want to eat food, but the reason why I become far and away, it's not even close. Not even close. The most popular talk show host in this city. And I'm talking about this specific genre. Obviously, Craig Carton, Boomer Esaias, and those guys do extremely well. I'm talking about in political talk. There's no one that comes close. Nobody. It's because I'm hungry. I am never, ever, ever satisfied. Never. Haven't been from day one. I remember when I used to go to WFAN and Imus was on in the morning and Mike and Mad Dog were on in the afternoon. And I would say to Lee Davis and Mark Turner if I would go, I love it here, but I don't know if I can stay. I'll never be better than number four. Four. No disrespect to Joe Beningo or Steve Summers or any of those guys. And uh, they would say, well, keep, keep being hungry. Keep striving. And maybe you will be higher than number four. So I got fired instead. <laughs> Worked out great because then I went to Miami where I became, excuse me, where I became number one. And then I came back to New York in 2016, and again, there was a line of folks. I miss Curtis and Kuby, a line of folks that I had to catapult to get where we are today. So I've always been hungry, and I remain hungry. And I just hope that our leaders feel the same See, they remain hungry in an effort to get a better job. I do think Eric Adams cares about this city. I really do. I really do. But I also think that Eric Adams, no matter what he has said to me or to others, has his designs on something bigger. Like a lot of mayors, though de Blasio, pathetic, worst mayor ever, horrendous campaign, but he ran for president. So did Rudy Giuliani. So did others. Mayors that run for president just don't get it done. But Eric is different. He's black. Right? And if he has any success in New York City, oh, then forget about it. 
he absolutely has a legitimate chance, unlike Bill and Rudy and others. I want him to be hungry to fix this. Stop trying to appease Kathy Hochul. You know, if you're going to go out and criticize somebody, criticize them. But Eric has a habit of saying nice things and then criticizing. He has complimented Kathy Hochul on this show time and time again, and in the media as well. We know she's a witch. She is an absolute corrupt witch. Couldn't give a rat's ass if any of you listening right now were murdered or raped on a train today. She would show up in her Jim Kelly uniform at a Buffalo Bills game on Sunday and cheer her ass off. That's a fact. She don't care. But he'll compliment her. He'll compliment Joe Biden. Joe Biden easily is the worst president ever. Forget about Carter or other names that Bill O'Reilly and only Bernie know about. Clearly the worst president ever. No, he's a blue-collar guy. He's doing a great job. I mean, I'm upset about the migrants. But what but? What but? Maybe B-U-T-T, that but. Because that's what Joe Biden is, an a-hole. Go out there and bash Andrew Stewart Cousins. Eh. Carl Heasty. Eh. He doesn't do it. So I am humble, even though most of you think I'm not. I have shtick on the air, yes, but about 20 hours a day I try, try to maintain some humility. But I am hungry. And it's about time our political leaders in this city are hungry, too, about saving us. Because right now, they are not doing a very good job. Radio 77, WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This deal is a deal because Hunter Biden is the son of the president and he's a Democrat. It's a two-tier justice system. Well, he right about that, man. That's Leo Terrell on Fox News. It is a two-tier justice system, as Ron DeSantis said down in Miami yesterday. If Hunter Biden was a Republican, he would have been in jail five years ago. They are trying to put my president, my guy, Donald Trump, away for a heck of a lot less. A heck of a lot less. Basically, as Donald Trump said last night, Hunter Biden on gun charges, tax evasion, walked away with a traffic ticket. It is highly unlikely, highly improbable, almost impossible, Hunter Biden would do any prison time, any jail time, nothing about money laundering, nothing about bribery, nothing. Clearly, we are living in a two-tier system, and if you're okay with that, if you're a Democrat, shame on you. My next guest, as I said to Rudy Giuliani just yesterday, he agreed one of the two best politicians in my lifetime, along with Rudy, a longtime congressman out of Long Island, uh, just a terrific guy, Homeland Security. He's done it all. He's here every Wednesday morning. But again, he gets screwed by Justin, my dear friend Peter King. Good morning, Peter. I say, there's nothing good about it. I mean, the way I get treated on your show, they're talking about a two-tier Justin. <laughs> I mean, all I know is you got that bellhop. Oh uh, Curtis, every he's always on. Every day he's on. Yeah, I have one day a week at eight forty, and I get pounds. Whether it's you or Justin, I don't know who. But I'm getting tired of this. I'm really I'm on my way to Lynn Berman. I'm on my way to New York <laughs> One today. Show. I mean, I have a lot of talent and ability, oh, God. and I get bounced around like a rubber ball here. And you got that moron Curtis on every day, <laughs> and I I, I I lose my last fifteen minutes. Robert Trump comes on. This oh, my God. comes on. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm all set to go. No, he's right. There is clearly a two-tier system, uh, Justin, when it comes to Peter King. Uh, is there any way you could explain this away? He's upset. He is. He's actually right in this respect, Justin. You want to hop on the mic and try to soothe this situation or act like it doesn't exist? I already spoke to the congressman. Well, on the clearly phone, he's so. very upset, Justin. Well, I, I explained to him. I said. I said, I, t- I will take the fall for Sydney. Yeah. He doesn't care. I will take every accountability. Week you screw this poor bastard every well, week. Said, dude, he says you'll take the fall. He really means he's, that's, it, it, it's really your fall. <laughs> right. Of course. I think, of course. Of course. It was supposed to be just between me and the congressman on the phone, but no. I guess I'll say Well, he's lot. upset. He's right. He, I mean, uh, you know, you did call Curtis Sleewall moron, <laughs> so that's true. the first shot fired. But then again, yeah. Curtis did fire a shot at Peter just about 20 minutes ago. So, uh, before we get to the real serious stuff here, Peter Hunter Biden, the rest yeah. of this stuff, is it fair to say, all kidding aside, that the Peter King, Curtis Sleewall back and forth is real? Or stick. It's more real than you believe. And wow. he's so mad at me because I got my high school diploma and he didn't get it. Yeah. And he's still looking for his GED and he's walking around just like a bellhop on the subways. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's just horrible. Oh, come well, on. Anyway, yeah. I, I, one, you know, one good now, listen, Curtis and I have known each other for years. And listen, I, I was involved in a big fundraiser for him in Nassau County when he ran for mayor. We had our own issues in Nassau County trying to elect a, a DA and a county executive. And we took time out to have a big fundraiser for Curtis and Master Pico right on the water. So I've done more than enough for Curtis. He's done your gods for me. Nothing. I mean, nothing, so, nothing uh, for you. And not just no. you, but all your candidates. And he blames you for George Santos. He blames you for the guy that gets naked in his uh, living room every morning before the bus driver. And now, now we called Anna Delphaus, my good friend, Anna Dufus. How is that okay? Uh, it, it's not okay. But the fact you had her on the show yesterday was great. She's going to win. She's a terrific candidate. And then, yeah, very seriously, back in 2020, when politicians were hiding, when the cops were being attacked, defund the cops, the one person who was out there more than anyone was Anna. That's when I first met her. She was organizing rallies, going from uh, precinct to precinct, uh, supporting the cops. She organized, again, somebody from uh, Brooklyn who was not anywhere near Nassau County, she organized one of the biggest rallies ever. In, in, in Nassau County, and Eisenhower Park, monumental rally. She was there for the cops, so I'm with Anna. She's going to win. And, uh, again, I again, I don't know anyone about Ari Kagan, mainly because he hasn't done anything. I mean, where was he when the cops were being attacked? Where was he when the cops where were being attacked? Where was he? He was, in, uh, he was in Moscow or Minsk. I don't know where the hell he was. But on a serious note, uh, is Anna Delphaus in that Brooklyn races? Uh, not clearly you're endorsing her here, but is there anybody else in those city council races you're – you're endorsing or paying a lot of attention to? Well, obviously, Ina Vernikoff. I mean, she's you know she's a superstar, and uh, she has to be reelected. And uh, so I'm I'm always yeah. Ina, Ina Renata. It's easy to remember Ina Renata. Yeah, I'm with you. Ina Vernikoff and Adolfo. Ina and Anna for Peter King. All right, let's get to uh, Hunter Biden. Yeah. I played Terrell's cut. Uh, I told you what Trump said. You heard it last night. Basically a traffic ticket. And they're all right. I mean, even I'm sorry whether you hate Trump or not. You're a Democrat. If you can't see the difference between the way Republicans and Democrats are treated, you're either naive or stupid, if not both. I mean, Hunter Biden is he, he just no matter what he does, it doesn't matter. There's no there's no penalty. None. No, I mean, this, this to me is such an obvious miscarriage of justice here. I mean, you're talking about millions and millions of dollars he got from overseas governments, all this money coming in for a guy who has no real talent. And so that's number one. Then he doesn't pay tax on it, which is number two to me. And even if even if he did get some kind of a, a penalty, 
the tax evasion. What about that? What are they doing about figuring out why he was being paid so much money by China, by Russia, by Ukraine? I mean, he just happens to be the son of the vice president. If this were the Trump administration or the Trump family, I mean, thinking of how they go you know, and after people like Roger Stone, uh, Papadopoulos, Paul Manafort, after these guys finding the most trivial things and trying to you know, lock them up, having their, their home stormed, raids on their house, everything else, and absolutely you know, nothing happening here with uh, Hunter Biden. Now, it's really shameful. And the fact that they have these contrived charges against Donald Trump, or even if there's some validity to the charges, they should never have bought the indictments. There is such a thing as prosecutorial discretion. And if ever it's sort of an exercise, it's in these cases here involving Donald Trump. No, they've definitely weaponized the Justice Department. And it's terrible. It's, uh, listen, this, one of the worst things that can happen is when you target someone with the criminal justice system for political reasons. And you know, people who sit on the outside you know, don't like Trump. And they say, who cares? It can happen to anyone. If they can do it to one person, they can do it to someone else. And even if you end up being acquitted in the end, listen, Donald Trump can take care of himself. The average person can't. They can bankrupt you. They can destroy you, destroy your family, uh, take away your business from you. I mean, it's, it's terrible. This is something we have to be on the lookout for, whether it's done in New York or done in Washington or anywhere. You cannot weaponize the justice system. So you and I, Peter King, have been friends for a long time. You were one of the few guys, you, Bo Deedle, a few others, used to call me down in Miami. You've remained loyal to me for a very, very long time. And we've broken bread together, your beautiful wife, Rosemary, and, you know, out there on Long Island with Anthony D'Esposito and Joe Cairo and Blakeman, all those guys. We've only really had one bad fight, one real legitimate fight, and that was our different philosophies, opinions on Ukraine-Russia. I still think it's a monumental waste of money and time, and let them fight it out and figure it out. You don't. You want to keep aiding those people. Well, you heard the latest, right? There was an accounting error, and now we're sending another $6.2 billion to the Ukraine, an accounting error? That doesn't make you nauseous? I think all that should be monitored carefully. But, have uh, but what did I tell you? What did I tell you? Nothing is being monitored carefully. We don't know where the money is going, how much is going in, how much is going out. And this proves it, this story yesterday, another $6.2 billion on the way. Now, first of all, I would say that money is being watched. I know the Intelligence Committee, I know we have uh, inspectors general watching it. And in any war, listen, in the United States, think of how much money our contractors have walked away with overall. What Ukraine is doing, they're fighting the battle for the world. And this is, it goes beyond Ukraine and Russia. This is world conversations. It's being watched in Asia. You remember, uh, uh, Russia is allied with China. Countries like Japan, South Korea, Philippines are all looking to see what the response is. Because if we don't stand by Ukraine against this terrible aggression by Russia, does anyone expect us to really stand by Taiwan? And then, then you're going to find countries like Japan, Philippines, and South Korea hedging their bets and allying themselves, or at least looking the other way, when China carries out its aggression. This goes far beyond Ukraine and Russia, per se. It's, it's really a fight for world stability. I don't know. I, I think that's uh, all a bunch of excuses. I do. I think China is waiting for an opportunity, the right opportunity. It's kind of like blaming the 13 dead in Afghanistan. That's why Putin went to war. When we all know that the day Biden was elected, it was a matter of when, not if. Same thing with okay, this. Okay, but if Biden had stood strong in Afghanistan, even though uh, Russia thought he was weak to begin with, yeah. if he had stood strong, then you, I, I don't think you would have seen what happened in Ukraine. Oh, I disagree. But okay, we've been past this whole Ukraine-Russia thing. I do want to bring up uh, terrorism because I had Rudy on yesterday, 
And a couple of weeks ago, Peter, you were back in Washington, D.C. I thought that was great. I really did. And I forget what the, the whole theme was, but you were talking specifically about the possibility, if not likelihood, of another terrorist attack here in the United States and here in New York. And I said to Rudy, do you think Peter is right? And without any hesitation, Peter, he said Peter is 100% right. What was that day all about? And did you hear that comment from Rudy Giuliani yesterday? No, actually, I didn't, but Rudy's a great friend, and uh, it, it means a lot that he agrees with me on that. No, uh, I was down in Washington. The Intelligence Committee, they brought back some former members. I, I was one of them to say, what should they be focusing on? I'm saying they should be focused on everything that they are focused on right now. But When you say everything, you mean China, Russia, all those other countries you just mentioned. Yeah, right, right, right. Iran, uh, yeah, the uh, uh, PLO, all of that, and even, you know, the... Uh, uh, the southern border, everything. That is important. But do not take your eye off Islamist terrorism. They are as uh, ready to attack now as they were on September 10th, 2001. This is today of the long view of history. They are, and they are mobilized. You have ISIS, you have Al Qaeda. Yeah, they've been uh, uh, knocked back a bit as far as their caliphate. But the fact is, they still have supporters all over the world. They still are organized. They still have a great. Uh, uh, web of op- operations, and I'm saying, don't take your eye off that. And people, you know, it's all in the, you know, the rearview mirror. This happened 20 years ago. The well, fact is, it was eight years between the first attack in the World Trade Center and the second. They are there, and also, you, you know, uh, Iran also has you know, their own terrorist operations worldwide. But ISIS, Al Qaeda, and the uh, cells that are in this country here today. Don't take a riot. Again, it doesn't take a lot to bring a city to its knees. I remember back in uh, 2009, they were hours from, uh, in effect, was blowing up the New York City subway system yep. with liquid explosives. So, I mean, they can do it. And, uh, again, I would hate to be in the position. Now, you go back to the summer of 2001. Uh, more people worry about sharks attacking people in the water <laughs> yeah. than they worry about. And, and yep. again, it was not a word in the presidential debates. It was not a word over the summer of that year, nothing about Islamist terrorism. Yeah, right. Somehow people think you talk about Islamist terrorism is some kind of bigotry or racism or whatever. No, that's the reality. It's al-Qaeda, it's ISIS, and all their offshoots, whether it's al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, we can go through a whole list of those organizations they have, and, they are, and, and also the supporters they have here in the country, yeah. the guys sitting at their computers. You know, going back uh, to that summer, you're right, talking about trucks, I believe September 10th, the day before the attacks, that night the Giants lost to the Broncos, Monday Night Football, but I believe the headline was now the late comedic actress Anne Heche claimed that she talked to Martians. And that was the cover, I believe, the day before the most tragic day in the history of this country. One more. I know that uh, you sent me some messages over the last couple of months. You knew my relationship with Eric Adams, which is not as good as it used to be, to, to be completely honest. But I know you guys have also forged a friendship of sorts. When he said on Sunday on Father's Day that God told him he'd be mayor, friend or not, did you think he was crazy? Yes. <laughs> time, yes, I guess. I really did. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, the baby got carried away. He was in the church. I mean, uh, I mean, I, uh, to me, you know, the highest authority I can speak to is Sid Rosenberg. But, uh, 
<laughs> right. You don't have a pipeline to God. I mean, come on, PGs. I know. I oh, know. my God. Wait, so you talked before about your father, how he wasn't always proud of you and everything else. Yeah. The fact is, do you ever think that his son would be in a position where he was able to turn down the former president of the United States? Twice. Two weeks in a row? Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, that is power. That is power. That is. I wish my dad was here to see that, but that's a true story. I took uh, Gabriel to see the Mets play the Yankees. I didn't go. Yeah. And uh, next Thursday, I'll be at a red carpet movie, uh, television show that I'm in. I'm not going. That is a great point, Peter King. No, neither one of us would have bet on that about 15, 20 years ago. And you're a great dad, too, whether it's Aaron or Sean. You're a great dad, and I love you to pieces, and you do a really, really great job on this show. Thank you so much. And you got to set up the thing with the Joseph Abood car. Remember that? Oh, yes. And Melissa's always asking me, when's that going to be done? Well, let's do that for sure. In fact, I'll reach okay, out to great. Joseph today, okay, pal? Terrific. Okay. Uh, all right, Thank Pete. You, oh, no. Thank Bye you. Now. There he is, a great congressman. I love him. I legitimately, personally love him. Peter King. Still a lot more to do. Next hour, Lara Trump is going to be here. All right, Lara Trump. And I got a couple of good guests in the 9 o'clock hour as well, including famous chef David Burke. Second half of the Hump Day Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning about to come your way. Informative. Seventy-seven WABC. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here, and he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation what? to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. What? Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel. Uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across America getting rebuilt. Guitarist Nils Lockgren. 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 Right. There you have it. Thank you, Lewis. This is a tunnel of love. I love this song. I can't say his name for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but that's you know one of my few difficulties. The guy you heard before that, he can't speak at all. <laughs> and that's the guy that beat Doctor Oz in Philadelphia. We debuted that yesterday. That's uh, John Fetterman. And he uh, he was out there with Biden when Biden op- opened up his 
2024 campaign in the city of brotherly hate, Philadelphia, last week. Well, this poor bastard had a stroke. He's got some medical difficulties, but he's just a like a loser. First of all, the guy shows up. If you had a stroke, you can't talk fine. Like, for, for example, today, me, I'm wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt because as soon as I leave this place, I have to go to the ear doctor, the gym. I've got stuff to do, and I'm taking the ferry home. But most days, I wear slacks, a sport jacket, and certainly, if I'm on the way to a big event, no one dresses better than me. Nobody. This scumbag shows up like at government events with shorts and sweatshirts. John Fetterman. That has nothing to do with having a stroke. Nothing. I mean, at least Dr. Oz puts on a good suit. These are the people you vote for in America. Not here in New York. I get it. But you guys did plenty of damage yourself. You guys voted for Bill de Blasio. You guys voted for Eric Adams. You guys voted for Kathy Hochul. Want me to keep going? Alvin Bragg, you did it. Nobody else. You make fun of John Fetterman all you want, but look at your track record. My God, outside of Rudy, a couple of years of Bloomberg, George Pataki, and we've done a good job with our congressmen, certainly. Thank God we got about six or seven, I think, now in the city council. But you guys have done this. You've done it. John Fetterman, my God, above and beyond the medical difficulties, the guy is a complete loser. Put on a suit. Try to act as if you care. But no, 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 no. Hunter Biden, hookers, crack cocaine, selling secrets to our biggest enemies, illegal guns, not paying my taxes, traffic ticket. Donald Trump, peas on the street, 50 years in prison. That's the new America we live in. You like that? You like that, Democrats? You like that? And I'm going to talk to Lara Trump coming up in about 10 minutes. Talk to Lara all the time. Her husband is Eric Trump, happens to be Donald's son. If Eric had one quarter, not even half, one quarter of these legal issues that Hunter Biden's got, he would never see daylight again. Where's Hunter? Donald Jr., too. I love that. I love that drop. My God, where's Hunter? These kids, people like Michael Rappaport, who's been my friend for years, he's an idiot. He goes on Instagram, he bashes Trump's kids. Why? What did they do? Yeah, they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. So what? They work. They run big organizations. Eric does a great job. And don't even get me started about his daughter. She's great, Ivanka. Now, we know, of course, that Ivanka and Jared are not part of this run. Donald Trump even made that official a couple of days ago. But come on. Come on already. Stupid. Yes, you are correct, Mr. President. So if you don't know what happened, Hunter Biden finally faced some charges, and uh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing. Two, to be exact, the tax issue and the illegal gun. Here's his lawyer. Well, this guy, I just want to punch this guy right across the face. His attorney, Chris Clark, he was on MSNBC, 
And uh, Katie Turr, no friend of mine, mind you, asked if Hunter was treated fairly while she painted Hunter as a victim instead of the walking scumbag he really is. Chris Clark, cut number two. Do you think Hunter Biden was treated fairly? That's a really complicated question. No, it's not. This is a resolution that we took under all the circumstances. Why is it so complicated? It's Um, not. I think that, you know, Mr. Biden had a period in his life that was troubled, um, where, you know, it's very clear he didn't timely pay the taxes he was supposed to pay at the time. Mm -hmm. He subsequently has paid them, but he didn't timely pay them. Oh. Um, I think it's a very hard question. No, it's not. Shut up. I Shut up, God. It's not a hard question. Yeah, that's why it's complicated. Yeah, now I think I hate Chris Clark more than Hunter Biden. Joseph Abboud is very upset with the way John Fetterman dresses. No kidding. Uh, now he goes on to say this, Chris Clark. Just get me in a room with him, Sid, for a little bit. I'll make him present. Uh, all right. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. It. Remember yeah. they did that, uh, the makeover the show with, with yeah. me and Janice yes. Dean on TLC? Yes. Joseph Abboud couldn't even help this guy. That would be great. Imagine Joe coming out of the room. <laughs> I can't help. It's beyond, I can't help him. Beyond, <laughs> beyond. That's funny. I got to get to Fenway. This yeah. is ridiculous. Chris Clark, uh, this is cut number three. He's about to tell you something here that is as predictable as death and taxes. Cut number three. Do you have an idea of what the conditions are going to be? Is he going to be on probation? Uh, it's up to the court. Sure. Um, my expectation, at least with regard to... After that proceeding is, he'll be released with without condition. <laughs> of course. Um, right. But you know what the ultimate disposition of the case is, is going to be up to the judge. Right. So we've heard about this laptop over and over again. I actually received an award one night from the Metropolitan Republican Club. My um, Chris Alenzo, my dear friend, and Joe Pinion, and all those folks. They gave me an award. They gave Rudy Giuliani an award, and they gave. The guy that actually got the laptop in his store, forget his name, Ian something or other. And there is more criminal activity on that laptop than, I don't know, give me the, um, I guess, than Jeffrey Dahmer's resume. There's more. John Paul MacIsaac. Yes, that's him. And yet, when asked about the laptop on MSNBC, again, very predictable, Hunter's attorney, Chris Clark, said, what's the big deal? Here's cut number four. The Republican. The Republic- the Republicans will say the laptop has, has tons of proof that there was, uh, that Hunter Biden participated in corruption, that Duh. there's financial proof that President Biden and Hunter Biden were connected in, in the gains that were made overseas by, by Hunter Biden. Have you ever seen any proof of that? Oh, I know. I mean, no, 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 no. Again, I've seen people wave various random emails around. Sure. I've never seen it. Obviously. I stopped the tape. I want to arrest Whatever. this guy. Could we arrest Chris Clark? Could he be disbarred at least for lying? That's a lie. He's smoking crack. He's smoking crack. Chris Clark. So, of course, Liz Warren, she's a lying, thieving skank, too. Don't forget, Pocahontas told you she was Indian. And she's about as much Indian as Bob Feller. At least she she played for the Cleveland Indians. She lied. That's right. Liz Warren says that this Hunter plea deal is right. Listen to this. Liz Warren, cut number nine. The Justice Department is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Right. It is acting independently based on the facts that are given to it without <laughs> any interference sure. from the politicians. Right. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, what do you think that Hunter Biden should have been sentenced to some jail time? That's what the Speaker of the House is suggesting. Look, it, it, he negotiated a deal. 
which is what any criminal defendant can do. <laughs> uh, again, this is the Justice Department acting independently mm-hmm. of the politicians. Sure, because Joe Biden didn't call him. Like, shut up. So uh, they mentioned uh, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and he said, look, we all know this is a sweetheart deal, but guess what? We ain't done with Hunter yet. This one got me aroused. Kevin McCarthy, cut number seven. Hunter Biden, plea deal on your reaction. My first reaction is it continues to show the two-tier system in America. If you are the president's leading political opponent, the DOJ tries to literally put you in jail and give you prison time. If you are the president's son, you get a sweetheart deal. Now, this does nothing to our investigation. It actually should enhance our investigations because the DOJ should not be able to withhold any information now saying that because of pending investigation, they should be able to provide Chairman Comer with any information that he requires. And once again, the governor of Florida, Republican presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis, he said it best yesterday, talked about the difference between a Republican in trouble and a Democrat in trouble, especially the president's son. Finally, Lewis, Ron DeSantis, cut number eight. Two different sets of rules, depending on whether you're a member in good standing of elite society or not. If Hunter were a Republican, he would have been in jail years ago. No doubt about it. We'll delve more into this pathetic, and I mean pathetic, dealing with Hunter Biden with President Trump's daughter-in-law, who's on this show all the time now. She's a big-time friend on Sid and Friends. Lara Trump talks Hunter Biden, Donald Trump, and more coming up next. Ah, uh, my favorite Frank Sinatra song, The Summer Wind. Maybe you're going to see Steve Maglio tonight at the Cutting Room. Also performs at the Carnegie Club every Saturday. Does a great Sinatra like Piscopo. Check out Maglio later on tonight. You know, President Trump said that I'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. So last week, I took Gabriel to the Met Yankee game. So I didn't make it out to Bedminster when he spoke after the arrest. And then uh, next Thursday night... My friend Carrie Lake, who was on this show yesterday, she's going to have a book party with Trump at Bedminster. Again, Sergio Gore invited me to that, but I've got my red carpet premiere for Gravesend on Long Island, so it looks like I can't make it that night either. So the two nights for Bedminster, New Jersey, to go see my friend Trump, I have something else going on. Every other night i got nothing going on, nothing. I mean nothing. 
one of these nights, Gore is going to call me, and I'm going to make it there. And hopefully, not only will President Trump be there, but my favorite Trump, his daughter-in-law, married to the great Eric, Lara, will be there, too, because she has been such an integral part of this show's most recent huge success. Here she is again, Lara Trump. Good morning, Lara. Oh, good morning. Well, Sid, I was going to say, why don't you stop being so popular and getting invited <laughs> everywhere? This is, I mean, that's a good problem to have. It could be the opposite. It know? is, but I'm dying to go out there and see your father-in-law and everybody. I really am. I'm dying to do it. And uh, the two nights in the last two weeks, I'm busy. That happened to be the uh, the same night. I know your father-in-law was uh, upset last night. He has a right to be. I thought his analogy was great. You know, basically, they've given Hunter Biden a traffic ticket. And again, I know it's an old story, Lara. But if this was your husband, Eric, Donald's son, or your brother-in-law, Donald Jr., Donald's son, it would not go this way now, would it? Oh, I mean, it's just, it's so laughable, Sid, because everyone knows that. If we didn't come to a complete stop at a stop sign and kind of rolled through, they would love to lock us up for that. We know we would get the maximum sentence, but I think this is the real problem here in America, and it is so blatant, and it is so obvious, and it is such an issue for our country, because if people do not trust a fundamental institution like our justice system, how do we continue to function as the United States of America? How are we the beacon of freedom and hope for the rest of the world? And we cease to exist in many ways as that if we allow this stuff to continue. I think it is insane that it took them five years to investigate, and you have to lose that, use that term very loosely, the Hunter Biden <laughs> situation. If you look at a rapper, Kodak Black, he got three years for just the gun situation that Hunter Biden found himself in, yet somehow there was no perp walk. Somehow there was no photo of him in handcuffs. Somehow we never saw him in a courtroom, paraded around like, of course, they did to my father-in-law. It is, it's really upsetting, I think, for a lot of people to see what's happened with Hunter Biden. And that's not even the really upsetting part, truly, if you take a look at what happened with Burisma, with the $5 million payments to both Joe Biden and Hunter Biden that are alleged to have happened. And what does that mean for our national security? How do we know that Joe Biden... When he's in the Oval Office, and we know he often forgets where he is, Sid, how do we know he's making uh, judgments based on what he thinks is best for the country and not best for the Biden family pockets? We don't. It is frightening. It is crazy. And all of it, I think, leads us to a very dark spot in America. It really does. You just put it perfectly, Lara. That's why you're great. And on every couple of weeks, you uh, you said it right. Uh, there is no question Joe Biden is compromised. They've made money, whether it's China, the Ukraine. We know the story about the, the mayor's wife in Moscow meeting Hunter Biden as well. And then you've got Chris Clark, Lara, who's Hunter Biden's lawyer on MSNBC yesterday. And he had the nerve to say he did not see see any proof, any, of any criminal activity on Hunter Biden's laptop. Let's start with smoking crack. Last I checked, that was illegal, no? I mean, smoking crack, the prostitutes, it's a treasure trove of illegal activity. I mean, I, I can't even imagine if one person in our family, even, they, you know, it's like the thought police now. You were literally in, like, George Orwell's 1984. If you're conservative <laughs> and you think the wrong thing, you feel like they're going to lock you up. Hunter Biden, are you kidding me? It's a joke. But, Sid, the, the problem here, too, is that they want us to think, well, that's the end of it. Let's all just wash our hands 
of the Hunter Biden situation. Let's stop talking about Hunter. He's been sentenced. That's it. You know, they they've investigated. It's over. Are you kidding me? What this all means for America overall, there's so much more there to investigate. There's so much more corruption within this family as it relates to Hunter. We are not done with this, but I assume they think that we're all just stupid. We're going to say, oh, yeah, don't forget it. They investigated. They found everything on the up and up. We're all good to go. They punished him a little bit. It's ridiculous, and it's insulting to the American people. Well, the good news is, to your point, Lara, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, I know your father thinks he's doing a fine job. He did say yesterday, yes, Hunter Biden got a sweetheart's deal, but this is what the Bidens don't want to hear, and that is that uh, the House Oversight Committee and James Comer will continue their investigation, and if, in fact, they could provide bank records and some more proof on the Bidens getting money, and they say they've got 17 tapes which do exactly that, this thing is far from over. So I'd be very careful if I was Joe Hunter and those boys to do a victory lap this morning, because like you said, we are still going at him, just like they do with your father-in-law every day. The difference is he's not a criminal, the Bidens are. Oh, well, exactly right. I, and I look, I think all of this really, um, but I, I wonder oftentimes how the rest of the world views us right now. It's There's no doubt we are in a weakened position on the world stage because of this. There's no doubt that China is laughing at us, that, uh, you know, it, all of our adversaries, all of our allies are laughing at us right now. And you think back, you know, there there's so much that's happened, I feel like, since my father-in-law was president of the United States. Don't forget, Sid, the first time they impeached Donald Trump. Why was it? It was over that phone call to Ukraine. Why was that such a big deal? So many people were like, what is going on with this? Why are they impeaching him over a phone call? Well, likely we would have found out, or Donald Trump would have found out, all the information that is coming out now about the bribery payments from Burisma, this Ukrainian energy company. And it is really interesting when you take a look at the people who got so flustered by this sort of thing, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world and all these swampy people in Washington, D.C., if Americans think for a second this had anything to do with that phone call, you're wrong. It had everything to do with Donald Trump uncovering what a lot of these people in Washington, D.C. have done for their entire careers. How is it they have tens and hundreds of millions of dollars when we know that their salaries are very low as members of the United States Congress because they've all been doing this swampy stuff, too. He probably would have uncovered it then, and they could not afford that. That's one of the reasons they want to keep him out of the White House. He exposed so much. They're terrified he's going to expose more. And it's just really all of it is such a sad time in America. I think the good news is that the people of this country are finally starting to see it. I think that's why they want Donald Trump back there for uh, becoming our 47th president. Let's do I, it. I did see this morning the CNN poll of all places, Lara Trump. The CNN poll had your follow up about 20 something points. You know, it's, uh, you know, I've got these, uh, I'm in a, a radio studio. So to my left, Lara, is our newsroom. It's very lovely. And we've got these big screen TVs, a lot of them uh, that I can see. I can't hear them, obviously, but I can see them. So we've got Fox News. We've got a local station, New York One. We've got MSNBC. And all morning long, do you think they're talking about Hunter Biden? Nah, they did like two minutes. Hunter got a deal, and the Republicans are complaining. They're whining. It's a sweetheart deal. But but they are spending time on August 14th, which is the next trial date for your father-in-law. 
It is just unbelievable what the media, right? You, you got to laugh. You got to laugh. Yeah. It's funny how that works out. And I, I think one of the other things we can credit Donald Trump with is exposing the media as well, because I don't think yes. people really understood prior to him running for president and then becoming president, how influential and how impactful the mainstream media and, and the, the legacy media truly is in the way people perceive certain situations, uh, truly in the way we vote here in America, how we understand everything. And he exposed a lot of that, and he showed how biased they truly are. And all you have to do is look at the time spent talking about Donald Trump versus the time spent talking about Joe Biden, the <laughs> Biden family, the corruption we're talking about here. It's, I mean, it's a hundredfold on the Trump end, and I think it's zero minutes that the major network spent talking about this Burisma bribe uh, situation, which is, is a national security issue. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, I, I, you know, again, I, I just always go back to why are they fighting Donald Trump so hard? Why is it they're pushing so much against him and they don't want him back? It's because he continues to expose a broken and corrupt system whether it's in the United States Capitol, whether it's in the mainstream media, and they want to keep him out of there because this is a, a bread and butter for their pockets, and they can't afford to have Donald Trump for four more years, but it's exactly what America needs. And i got to tell you, I've been guilty. Sometimes I criticize your father-in-law. I love him. I'm endorsing him. I want him to win as much as anybody. But I've said things like, ah, lay off DeSantis. It turns out he's been right. He kills Ron. He's up 20 points, 30 points, 40 points. And there was a time, Laura, when I said, okay, enough with the rigged election. Enough. But I had Carrie Lake on yesterday. She'll be at Bedminster next week. She's got a brand new book out. And she went through something very similar to Donald Trump in her own race when she ran for governor in the state of Arizona. And I have to tell you, Laura, I have a lot of friends, Republicans, who say I'm voting for Trump or I'm voting locally for this Republican. But how do I know that my vote is really going to count so it's not just your father-in-law. Everyday voters have lost a lot of trust in our current election system. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of people like to criticize Donald Trump about continuing to talk about the 2020 election. But quite frankly, what could be more important for our constitutional republic? What could be more important for the future of America than to know that we all have faith in this election process, if you don't believe we have free and fair elections here in America, what the heck are we even doing here? This country, again, it's not the same country, and it, it, it ceases to exist as America. So I think it is so important, and, and he brings it up a lot, and, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's sour grapes for Donald Trump. He's, it's all a personal thing. It is not a personal thing. He loves this country. There is no one. You, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone in modern times who has given up as much as Donald Trump has. Yep. For this country, and he's continuing to do it. He's willing to do more, even though they're trying to throw him in jail. What does that tell you about this guy's drive and what he wants to see happen? We need to know that we have fair and free elections in America. Otherwise, you know, I don't know what what the whole point of any of it is. And a lot of people are concerned about that. There have been a lot of positive moves on that front on the Republican end of things, but we've got to fight differently. Said we cannot sit back as the same Republican Party that we have been for decades and say, oh, well, we're just going to go vote on Election Day. Absolutely not. Anywhere that it is legal, we need to have a ballot harvesting operation. We need to be going to NRA meetings. We need to be going um, to uh, college campuses. The, the Democrats aren't the only ones that, that can do that. 
We need to go anywhere people gather and start ballot harvesting just like they do. We need to get our people out to vote early, bank the votes early, and then utilize those people who have already voted to get their friends to go vote. We have to start playing things differently because we need to have such a lead on the Democrats going into Election Day that it really doesn't matter how many suitcases they stuff we will still beat them fair and square. And they do that, too. So why not play their game? Two more. One of the beauties about having you on, Lara, is I bring up people close to Trump. But you're his daughter-in-law. He loves you like his own child and your children and his grandchildren. And somebody said to me a couple uh, this morning. No. He said to me, you know, your nephew, Baron, he's a young guy. He's still a teenager. He looks like he's a big kid, but he's still a teenager. And he said, I wonder how Barron is dealing with all this. You know, he he's the president's son. His father's getting arrested seemingly every couple of weeks. He's on television. I know that Melania does a very, very good job of trying to keep that stuff away. But whether it's your nephew, Barron, or the family, how are people dealing with all this legal nonsense they're putting your father-in-law through? Well, I mean, look, Barron, the rest of us, this is unfortunately something we've kind of become used to, this sort of, attack and treatment and um this is not our first rodeo and i'll tell you they really don't make them tougher than those of us in the trump family um and at a certain point i think we we almost in some sad way kind of become numb to it all because i think you have to in order to go forward and i think for all of us we all truly believe that ultimately the truth will come out that ultimately we will have our day and we will be proven right. I mean, like I just talked about with that Ukraine call and the first impeachment of Donald Trump, people really didn't get what was that all about. Well, now we're starting to find out why they needed to do that, because they were trying to protect themselves in the D.C. swamp, the, that disgusting cesspool of people <laughs> there. And so I think the more information that comes out, the better it ultimately will be for my father-in-law, for our family. And we just have to trust in that. We ultimately just have to have faith, and I think we all do. We know we're good people. We know we're fighting on the right side of history and fighting for the right causes. And at the end of the day, that's all you can do. And, look, you're a, an unbelievable spokesperson. I say it all the time, Taylor, not just to be nice. I really mean it. I'm sincere. You're outstanding. You. Your husband's great. You know, Don Jr. does his thing. Kimberly does hers. But uh, your father-in-law did admit this week that, uh, you know, Ivana and Jared – they're not going to be doing a lot of stuff this time around, if anything at all. You okay with that? Family okay with that? They're kind of disassociating themselves with uh, your father's next presidential win? Well, I Father think people more. really will never appreciate um, how how rough it really was for Jared and Ivanka. And, you know, you have to remember, they went into the White House. They truly had the greatest intentions. They wanted to make great changes for this country and do things they thought would be positive. And they did on so many fronts. You I mean, the Jared, the Jared with the, the accords, yeah. the, the amazing. Absolutely. Uh, all of the, the, the achievements and movements forward for women. Ivanka worked on so many causes for, for women, for mothers. And so they really did a lot of great things. They never took a paycheck. They went to D.C. and they took their family there with the greatest of intentions. And, man, it was really tough on them overall. And so I think to, to see a family who at this time says, look, just for, for our nuclear family, for, for Jared, Ivanka, and their three kids, um, I think being able to take time and say we need to focus on our family right now directly and we kind of want to step away from this, don't, don't get it wrong. They are 100% supportive of my father-in-law. They will be there anytime he asks them to be there, anytime they, they know that they 
should be at an event, they will be there. And, and that's not at all what, what I think anyone is, is saying, you know, from their perspective. They just want to distance themselves a little bit because it was really yeah. very tough on them. And I give them a lot of credit for hanging in there and still doing great things as well. And I give you a lot of credit for another great conversation, an honest, brilliant, terrific conversation. And I love when you're on, Laura. I really, really do. So thank oh, you for... Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean it. Thank you for stopping by again. And one of these days... Whether it's Bedminster or Mar-a-Lago, I'm going to be there. So just be ready. Okay. Just stop being so popular, Seth. i got to tell you again. You're just too much. Well, thank you. Thank you, Larry. You're the best. Thank you so much. That was a great conversation. Man, I love that lady. Larry Trump right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. Still uh, more to do on this Wednesday edition. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800 560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. It's summertime. And the living is easy. The bills are jumping. And the cotton is high. Your dad is rich. And your mama's good looking Won't you hush, pretty baby Don't you cry It is the first day of summer Summertown, officially Summer 2023 Is here Although uh, the weather's not great And won't be great for days now I believe there's A lot of clouds And rain in the next and the forecast, the next three days, the sun, I guess, may peak out on Saturday. That's the next time you're going to see sunshine. So has not been a very hot summer. We had that one stretch a couple of weeks ago. Temperatures hovering around 90 degrees. It was one week. Otherwise, pretty balmy. A lot of clouds. And then, of course, we just had a winter with no snow. I don't believe... There was one snow day. And so the weather has been odd. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and sweatpants today, and I'm comfortable. And we're heading towards July. Doesn't make much sense. But that's where we are, Lewis. Got to blame the Chinese. I, I believe it. The terrorists have won. Yeah. But the, you know something's going on in the on the planet when you have seasons like this. There's you some, do? Yes, of course. How could you not? I don't know. Well, people, just, people, bad just, luck. people just care way too much about something that's obviously not going to happen like in our lifetime, like the melting of oh, the yeah, Earth. Oh, yeah, please, don't get me started. Exactly. Al Gore said, and I quote, in 2000, 2015, the world is coming to an end. Right. There was, that's what he said. 
Uh, the one of the, the, the glaciers. We've had, uh, shut up. We've had a million of those countdowns. The Mayan calendar. Oh, blah, 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 please. Blah, please. I used to work please. with uh, this uh, Jill Vitale, and I love her. Flor- <laughs> Flirty Flipper. Yeah. And this is a crazy person. Yeah, she was. I mean, just nuts. Not, yeah. And she loves animals, which is not nuts. That's a beautiful thing. But she would go like straws. She'd go, you know, the turtles are choking on the straws. And if we lose the turtles, then the next thing to go is your kid. Oh, she was. What probably, are you talking about? Shut up. Cutting up the six pack uh, plastic oh, yeah. things. No because steak. They, How could you kill a cow? Because those the pigeons would uh, uh, choke on them no. for going after th- if you didn't cut them. Right. Exactly. Oh, I always say if it doesn't directly affect me <laughs> and my life, the Justin, I, I like don't. I like care. it. Yeah, but there's going to come a day, mm-hmm. even in your life, mm-hmm. I would think mm-hmm. you're going to marry somebody. I would think. And then uh, you're going to have a child. That's all it takes. Right? And that child is going to have a child. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to worry that your kids and or your grandchildren. No, he won't. He won't even worry. No, he? he won't worry because yeah. he'll be dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You're never going to get married or have kids or... Uh, I will, but once I'm dead, it's like... You don't care. Oh, well, you can't right. do anything for them. I'm, I can't, sure. like I can't do anything. I'm sure that's what his... Even if there is an afterlife, is. I'm just staring at everybody. <laughs> it's like I can't say anything. It's, like I, it's not like I could send a sign. That's you know, know what shocks me about this whole thing is, you know, his mother, this Adina person... She's on my Instagram, you know. Okay, but uh, way she, too often. By the she way, she said she did it one time. Yeah, one time. Maybe one time daily. Right, one time a day. Right. And um, she seems like such a nice person. And uh, Justin, who I love like my own son at this point, and he's turned into an extraordinary producer. Oh, love you indeed. Yes, write it down. There's so, he's like, I don't even know how to explain uh, who he is or what he is. I, I don't. I don't even have a word for it. I can't explain it to myself. Yeah. I think I might be an, uh, an alien. An alien. Yeah, like I think I might, I could possibly. Well, you be don't from believe uh, John Katzmatidis and Frank Morano <laughs> believe in that stuff, so. Uh, yeah. They believe aliens are walking amongst us. I oh, believe they do. Maybe not John, but certainly Frank does. Oh. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I can't really explain it either. It's, um. But you're proud of it. It's uh, FUBAR. And you're proud of it. <laughs> With us, William Shatner will now discuss. <laughs> William Shatner. Dr. Sky, do you really think aliens are living in the borough of Staten Island? So you know this um, This Thomas Knipp is a good friend of mine. He happens to be the hero Marine Daniel Penny's attorney in this case against Jordan Neely. So I guess it was a week ago, maybe a little more, there was a guy on the J train, and there was another psycho bothering people on the train, you know, like Neely. And uh, this psycho happened to mess with this guy, Jordan Williams, and his girlfriend. He physically touched him. So Williams came out and stabbed the guy to death. Now, the difference is, again, Daniel Penny did not come into contact with Neely, but he was protecting the other riders. Williams did. So he stabbed the guy to death. His attorney, very interesting guy, is set to join me next. His attorney's name is Jason Goodman, and actually Joseph Takapina set this up. But I'm going to tell you this. The fact that Jordan Williams was black, I think, helped him. Because if Daniel Penny is the guy with that knife, even if that person accosted him and his girlfriend physically and Penny stabs this guy to death, I believe he's still going through the same thing. I may be wrong, but that's how I feel. So I believe that the fact that Jordan Williams is black made Jason, I said Goodman, Jason Goldman's job much easier. He walked. He walked. We'll talk to Jason Goldman and world-famous chef David Burke. All that coming up next hour 
right here on Sid and Friends in the morning on WABC. Your dad is rich and your mama's good looking. Would you hush, pretty baby? Don't you cry? Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. There is freedom within. There is freedom without. Try to catch the deluge in a paper cup. There's a battle ahead. As we start the fourth and final hour. So you guys and girls out there know I'm very good friends with Thomas Kniff. I, I know Steve Razor, too, but Kniff is my buddy. And he represents Daniel Penny in this case about to go to the grand jury in the death of Jordan Neely. Well, there's another case that is eerily similar. I mean eerily similar. On the J train, a young man named Jordan Williams, who him and his girlfriend were were eventually physically attacked. This writer, like Jordan Neely, was harassing people, saying he's gonna, he's gonna, I'm gonna erase somebody, like Neely was saying, I'm gonna kill somebody, I don't care. Eerily similar. Difference is, Daniel Penny didn't have a weapon. Jordan Williams did, and he ended up stabbing this guy to death in an effort to save him and his girlfriend. But the big, big difference is, and I believe that's why this story doesn't get nearly as much pub, is Daniel Penny is white and Jordan Neely is black, or was black. In this case, Jordan Williams is black, and the man he killed is also a person of color. No one cares. Not the grand jury, not Al Sharpton. Not all the black leaders in this town, they don't care. They have proven time and time again, use Chicago as an example, when a black person kills a black person, which happens a heck of a lot more, a heck of a lot more than when a white person kills a black person, it doesn't count. It's okay. We can kill each other. You just can't kill us. Pretty distorted, pretty disgusting, but that's the truth. So, you know, Knipp is a great attorney. Jason Goldman is a great attorney. Both defending men, protecting others and themselves. But there's a huge difference. I wonder if Jason Goldman would admit to that. So here he is, Jordan Williams' attorney, who comes highly recommended by my dear friend Joseph Takapina, Jason Goldman. Jason, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sid, how are you? Thanks for having me. Nice to have you. You heard my rant just now. Uh, you want to add to that, take something away. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, absolutely. I think it's interesting because, 
you know, in one sense, the facts are very similar. In one sense, they're slightly different. And, you know, look, I'll tell you this, is that not only was the victim in this case harassing people on the train, he had his shirt off, and he was actually in the process of assaulting people. He was touching a woman. He touched my client's girlfriend and ripped her earring out of her ear, and then he punched my client in the face twice and grabbed him by the throat. All of that took place before he takes out a very small folding knife and pokes him once in the chest, hits an artery, and then drops it and tries to get out of harm's way. And that's it. And he's arrested and he's prosecuted and the case is going to a grand jury as we speak. But here's the major difference. The judge in this case, Justin, uh, Brooklyn Judge Chaville Mimes, while asking for a $100,000 bail, released your client. And uh, don't forget, I'm on your side here. And I love what Jordan Williams defended himself and his girl. I'm on your side. And I'm on Daniel Penny's side. But Judge Mimes in Brooklyn released your client. And I know that they've already raised about three-quarters of the bail. There's his mom with the GoFundMe page. Let me ask you a very simple question. If Jordan Williams was Jordan Rosenberg and he was a white guy, would he have been released? Well, Sid, this is the thing. Daniel Penny, and, and I think we're all on the same side, but Daniel Penny was released after he gave a statement to the cops. Then he was out for three weeks, raised a load of money, raised awareness, and when he was arrested, it was a voluntary surrender. It was $100,000 bail. That was all for show. He had a cashier's check ready. He was in and out of the arraignment in three hours. That was not the case for my client. We did this on the fly, and if we lost that argument, he was going to Rikers Island the next day. So there's a huge difference there, which I think deserves a lot of attention. Don't be fooled by $100,000 bail for one kid. That was all for show. That's the same reason Harvey Weinstein walked out the door with a million-dollar cashier check after he was arrested. Right. That's true. You're right about that. Uh, but it is uh, still nice to see that uh, the folks out there, I believe uh, the number is up to 72000 raised it, as it, much it's as seven hundred and It's 115 now. Is that right? And they're saying, Jason, yeah. as much as $8,000 a day. Is that accurate? It's accurate and said my inbox is flooded with people that align with Daniel Penny, the people that are, um, I guess you could say, aligned with the far right. They're the ones that are flooding my inbox because guess what? It's not about race and it's not about politics, and they're okay with that. It's about safety, and they see it colorblind. They see my client, and they see that he can share a table and sit in the same room as Daniel Penny or as any of us that are on the subway getting harassed, you know, put in harm's way. They don't care. It's not about race, and it's not about politics. It's simple safety. No, I agree with you. You ask anybody anybody here, who would you rather be on the subway with? Would you rather Daniel Penny and or Jordan Williams? Right. Or would you rather be on it with Jordan Neely? And or the victim in all no, no, there's no doubt. No, no, no. There's, no, no, you're 100% right, Jason. I agree wholeheartedly. But where it does become political, unfortunately, is in my world. And that is Al Sharpton has been yelling and screaming. Even the governor, Kathy Hochul, day one, wanted Daniel Penny to get the electric chair. I don't hear right. all these people. I don't hear Sharpton coming out and yelling at Jordan Williams. Why not? You don't hear AOC. You don't hear, AOC, you don't right. hear a bunch of them. Um, right. It, it, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head in your intro. It doesn't fit the ultimate narrative. It's not as clean. It doesn't fit into a box. And I think this case, my case, makes people uncomfortable because of that reason, because they can't look in the mirror and say it's not. it should not be about color. It should not be about race. And that's uncomfortable for a lot of people that have you know one agenda and one agenda only. You're, you're 100% right. So uh, would they ask why Jordan was carrying a knife in the first place. Again, let me repeat, 
Um, I, I'm on your side. I'm glad Jordan Williams, he should never go do any jail. Anyway, so, but did they ask, why were you carrying a knife? It's, it's very simple. It's the same reason the last three years people are asking me as a defense attorney and a former prosecutor. They're saying, I want to carry mace or pepper spray or a knife on the train when I go outside. Can I do that? And I'm wondering, why are you asking me that? Well, I know the answer to it. It's because of how crazy it is out there. That's why he had one with him. And two weeks prior to this incident, he was held at knife point on a train when he was with his girlfriend. Again, there was an incident two weeks prior. Wow. Um, no reports, obviously, nothing along those lines. But it's it. It's the same reason. Again, it doesn't matter what the person's age is, what their color is. I have people asking me the last three years, I want to carry something to protect myself. What's also going to come out is another woman had a pink, a hot pink pepper spray with her that was on this train. That's a fact that's going to come out very soon. And that's the same reason that my client was carrying a small mm. knife, because people do not yep. feel safe on the subway. I agree. I take the subway every day, and uh, I'm going to start packing myself. Was that also a J train where Jordan was attacked was weeks it, prior? It, 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 yes, it was. Um, I believe it was. Don't quote me on that. I believe it was the same train. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure. And then look, and then this train, it, it's why should Jordan Williams, you know, 20 years old, on a date with his girlfriend, the sun setting on the J train going over the bridge. Why should he carry the burden of the failures of the city when it comes Agreed. to mental health and housing yep. and crime? Why yep. does it fall on his shoulders? A cop says to him afterwards, he says to the cop, he's giving a statement, he says, I wish you guys were there. And then he also says, you know, the cop says, why don't you fight them back with your hand? People get in fights all the time. Is that what it's coming to? We should encourage people to just fight their way out of this thing? Well, he did that, and he used the knife that eventually, because he had no other option after he got punched in the face twice, and that was it. So it, it, it's incredible that he now bears the burden, criminal prosecution, grand jury, all of these things, lost his job at FedEx, everything because of the failures to allow people, you know, like the deceased and like Jordan Neely, to just stalk the subways with their shirts off and harass people. I couldn't agree more. You're saying they, they fired him at FedEx? Yeah, he got fired. He got, he got let go. He goes into his job. After all this chaos, he goes to a job that he loves, that a lot of other people may bat their eyelash at. He goes in, he's a hardworking kid, making an honest living, amazing family, and they let him go. They let him go because of this. Why? Well, let me ask you this. If he ends up getting acquitted, which he will, and uh, gets exonerated from all of this, can you sue FedEx? I'm kind of joking, but I'm not. I mean, uh, they could just do what they want. Why do you lose his job? He hasn't been proven guilty of anything. Of course. I mean, it crosses over a little bit into the employment aspect, and you're exactly right. There was um, legislation passed a few years ago regarding arrest only, right? If you're not convicted of anything, but you're only arrested, they're really not supposed to ask on a background check. And even if you're a current employee and you're arrested, there are some limitations as towards the fire. So we're going to look into that, obviously. I don't want him to be, you know, swarmed by, by lawyers and lawsuits for the rest yeah. of his life. But yeah. people reach out to me right away, and they say he definitely has an action against FedEx. Yep. He obviously has a civil rights case, you know, against the city eventually when we do get this case dismissed or we get an acquittal. It, it's 100% right. He's bearing the burden. It's all backwards to me, um, you know, how it falls on him. And, and, you know, obviously not the real criminal, quite frankly, in this case, past um, ex-con, you know, rap sheet, everything like that. And my client doesn't have anything. He's spotless, completely spotless, goes to church every other day with his mother, Amazing, amazing family, amazing father, and it's, it's a sad situation. He's a good kid. Now, he's been charged with a manslaughter and criminal possession of a weapon. He faces up to 25 years in prison for the manslaughter charge, I believe one year for the knife charge. So we're looking at about 26 Correct. years. But uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Knip, and he always gives me the same answer, 100%, and that is, 
Are you absolutely confident that your client will be exonerated because, quite frankly, Jason, he should be? I'm, I'm extremely I'm, – I'm not only confident. I never do this. I'm willing to guarantee that I'm getting him out of this case, whether it's a dismissal or an acquittal. I don't promise or guarantee anything to anybody, especially not clients. I'm winning this case. It's just a matter of when. If this is absolutely insane, and I, I can't imagine a jury – Seeing it otherwise, I, the facts have come out. Witnesses have called my office, and if everyone's in there to tell the truth, everybody, then this is an acquittal waiting to happen. This is this is open and shut. This is similar to Jose Alba Bodega worker last summer. I mean, this is 30 second interaction we're talking about in self defense, and that's it. I don't even think charges should have been brought. The case is in a grand jury as we speak. I think it's too fast, but you know we're participating in that process and we're monitoring it and I'm submitting my own evidence into that grand jury so I'm getting rid of this case it's a matter of one I got to tell you man I, I bring on you know Joseph Takapina Arthur Idala or Alan Dershowitz my wife Danielle all very very impressive attorneys I know right now you're, you're worried about getting your client. I hope I know that. But congratulations, Jason. You just made the list of Sid and Friends attorneys. You are so impressive. I'd love to have you back more often when your work is actually done. That's a great job today, and good luck with uh, Jordan moving forward, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much, Sid. You got it, buddy. There he is, the attorney for Jordan Williams defending himself on the J train. Absolutely 1,000%. Self-defense, that was Jason Goldman. So, if you're in New Jersey later on tonight and you're looking for a nice place to eat, my next guest owns about every restaurant in New Jersey. I mean, all of them. He's one of the greats. Good friend of mine, Chef David Burke. As soon as we get back on the Hump Day Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. In the morning, 77 WABC. First day of summer, everybody. We've been going to our summer places now for weeks. My mom, upstate New York, Catskill Mountains, Fire Island, the Hamptons, and, of course, the Jersey Shore. You know, I'm breaking balls at uh, Ocean's Resort. I want to get a show there this summer. I used to only go to the Hard Rock because of Jim Allen, but they dropped us like Tiki used to drop footballs. 
Wow. Oh my God, wow. Then he became a Hall of Famer, of course. But So now I'm looking at Oceans for the uh, Jersey Shore. But if uh, you're on your way down to the Jersey Shore or in the Jersey Shore, around the Jersey Shore, the odds are my next friend, the very, very famous chef, David Burke, has a great place for you. But he's involved in, like, every restaurant everywhere. Uh, uh, last year, in fact, this Sunday will be my 31st wedding anniversary. 31 years this Sunday with the beautiful Danielle. Last year, we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary at a place I really love, the River Cafe, right underneath the Brooklyn Bridge on the Brooklyn side, a gorgeous restaurant. And, and Berkey's involved with that, too. He's everywhere. He's a man. He's a real famous chef. So here he is. Chef David Burke, or should I call you Reverend David Burke or Dr. David Burke? What's going on, Berkey? <laughs> Good morning, Sid. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, in all seriousness, since the last time you were on, you've added a bunch more titles. I know you did your brother's wedding and others. You are now the Reverend David Burke? The minister. Minister? Yeah. And how do you become I mean, that? You just, what do you do? I ordained to marry my son. A little over a year ago at the Red Horse in Rumson, uh, because he didn't have a game plan. And then I've done about four other weddings since then. And, uh, people, customer, not only that I can marry you, I can make the meal and I got a bakery. <laughs> I can do the cake too. Oh, God. So yes, uh, if you're interested out there, David will marry you and feed you. And on top of that, on a serious note, congratulations. I believe the best culinary school in the country, Johnson and Wales, gave you an honorary degree? Yeah, they got me a doctorate degree about, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago down in, uh, they have the, they have campuses in uh, Prov Providence, Rhode Island, and one in Charlotte. And I have restaurants in Charlotte. So we've been, uh, we were, it was really a proud moment. It was kind of, I didn't realize the importance of it. It's a really uh, very few uh, people in the restaurant industry and hospitality have uh, gotten a doctorate from a, a college such as that. So I, I, I was really, uh, really honored to be uh, frank. It was, it was really cool. Did they have like one of those guys from the Food Channel come down and do a big story or Guy Fieri or something? You're a doctor, damn it. Come on. Guy Fieri was honored as a doctorate. He's one of the few as well. Oh, yes. Um, I, uh, he wasn't there, obviously. But no, it was, uh, I made the commencement speech. Uh, they, they, they honored me before my speech to the students. And, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, it was pretty, I was, I don't get nervous and I was nervous about that one. You know, I, you know, sure. because it was, so formal, you know, it was like a real, a real, uh, you know, the restaurant off the top business. Yeah. Very, very loosey goosey. You know, we have a lot of fun and yeah. we don't take ourselves too seriously a lot. But then when you're in a university like that with the professors and the deans and, and all that, it's like, wow, this is, uh, this is really special formal and I'll never forget it. And I was really touched. Well, congratulations. So, you know, what's funny, Dave, is here you are, and there's so many, a lot of men, of course, are world-famous chefs, but on an anecdotal note, everybody I speak to goes, oh, my mom, she's a great cook. My wife, she's a great cook. You know, daddy's outside. He's making burgers and hot dogs on Memorial Day. But, you know, mommy's making all the food, and uh, my wife is making all the food, and yet the greatest chefs in the world, not all many women, but the greatest chefs in the world in numbers are men. How is that possible that every person, their mom is the best cook, but men are the best chefs? 
Um, you know, I think people don't realize, even with the Food Network on and uh, and uh, 52% of the students in culinary schools right now are female, uh, that the, 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 I don't think people realize the physicality and the grueling hours that a chef puts in. I mean, if you look at uh, if you look at carpenters and roofers, there are a lot of them are men too. But the the work is physically demanding. Yeah, and yeah. I realized by watching the Food Network, and 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 there's a lot of great female chefs, and the ones that are really uh, are, there's a lot of great female pastry chefs and wine uh, winemakers and all that in the industry, <clears throat> but the the modern day chef in the kitchen 60 hours a week on their feet. You know, they don't show Giada carrying up 60-pound case of chickens from the basement <laughs> on the Food Network. Right. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of heavy lifting. There's a lot of sacrifice in lifestyle. You know, you're giving up holidays, weekends. So if a woman wants to start a family and have children, it's tough to get a schedule that allows you to be home with the kids. If you're a traditional chef is working – 55 to 60 hours a week. Got it. That's basically it. So it's, you know, so it's taxing on, on, on the body. It's taxing on the, the, the brain and, and also on your social life and or any plans you might have for normalcy uh, in a schedule uh, based on the, on the, on the, on the uh, corporate work week. Got it. So before we get to the specific restaurants, people can enjoy heading uh, to the Jersey Shore this summer. This is a, a very nice thing that uh, we're doing for folks because you're always looking for good restaurants. Where were you? What did you cook? What did you make when it occurred to you, David Burke, that, oh, my God, I can be really good at this. I could be like a famous chef. How old were you? What were you making? What were you thinking? Uh, interesting question. I was working in, in Homedale, Hazlitt Homedale. I was a, a Sheraton Inn when I was uh, a teenager. I was doing dishes first, and I was amazed by the kitchen. And I, 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 I couldn't get a cooking job there. You know, the guys back then in the 70s, they were, some of them were Vietnam vets. Some were just hitting the dropouts, hippies, um, really caring, artsy people. The chef was a military guy, like a Marine, so, you know, disciplined. And they had the most fun ever. You know, it was, it was bears during the day. And then at night when that first order came in, it was like a symphony. So it was very appealing to a young person that that didn't want to be necessarily. You know, it's hard to tell what you want to be when you're 16. You know, you really don't know. And you got your parents saying, what are you going to do with your life, you know? Yeah. So I. I got thrown into a kitchen as a dishwasher and kind of fell in love with it. And then I, I moved around to a couple other places. I had to bread food, chop veggies, make crepes, work in the mall, hitchhike to Mama's Mall. And then I started working at a country club, and Navasin Country Club. And I was a, they taught me how to be the broiler cook. <clears throat> and a lot of it is on-the-job training. And then I, I saw what they were making. The saute guys were making the sauces. I was just cooking meats and burgers and butchering, but still important. Then I went to the fromagerie in Rumson because I was a good enough cook. And that's where things hit me like, wow, this is uh, sauces, pastries, you know, snails and sausages. And, and, and then I was, I was really hooked. And then I started uh, making things. And, you know, and I saw what the other chefs did, and I realized, you know what, I can do this, and I can be good at it. If I, if the opportunity was there, 
this like ripe fruit hanging. You got to figure out how to climb that tree and pick the fruit. It's not rocket science, but there's a lot of passion. Yes, you got to be smart and you got to figure your way through the obstacles in this business, which there are many. And then I went to school. And from school on, I, uh, I worked in uh, uh, homes on weekends. I moved to Norway. You know, I've been around. Yeah. France, yeah. But then you get to a point. River Cafe, by the way, the I, I don't work there or own it anymore, but that's what launched my career in the 80s. Uh, living underneath the Brooklyn Bridge before Dumbo was Dumbo. And I spent about a decade there working for Buzzy O'Keefe, who, who actually sent me to pastry school in Paris. And uh, they did a lot for my career. So, but yes, and I still think it's one of the greatest restaurants in the Oh, it absolutely is. It is. So I want to get to a few of these places. Uh, we'll do one apiece. One on the way to the shore, one minutes from the beaches, and one when you get there. Uh, I want to talk specifically about the Goat by David yeah. Burke. What about that restaurant? Was that uh, Route 36? Yes, Route 36 is not far from where I grew up. It's in a town called Union Beach. If you get off exit 117 on the way down the parkway and take Route 36, which is a Bayshore Highway, takes you right down to Sandy Hook. Uh, the goat is a couple miles off of exit 117. Uh, it's a wood-burning fire uh, oven that makes pizza and pasta. Basically an Italian-style restaurant, trattoria. And upstairs we have a beautiful room. has outdoor seating on, on uh, at the lower level in the dining room. And it has the upstairs. It's a nice room now. We do trivia. We do. We're doing a dinner in the dark Thursday, where everyone's forty people are blindfolded, tasting four wines and five courses. Wow! They, eat, they take the blindfolds off during dessert. There's there's Q and A. You know, it's a it's a meet and greet. A lot of fun. We've done that twice at the Goat, which is eight miles down the highway. But so the Goat is a a trattoria, modern American, great pizza. And good steaks and stuff, yeah, but it's more of a, a Italian style restaurant. Right. And Got it. Right. Thirty six. You come further down the highway, you're into Keysburg. I bought the famous Dixie Lee bakery a little over a year ago. Eighty five year old bakery. Been uh, stood the test of time. We're modernizing it and making some pastry for our uh, restaurants. We got a big project in the city near Grand Central that we're gonna be uh, making tons of stuff for and that is a new business for me, and it's exciting. And uh, that's called Dixie Lee Bakery in Keensburg. Uh, and Keensburg's going through a, a, a re and lots of growth and building, similar to what happened in Asbury and Long Branch. Uh, so that's exciting. And then you continue down 36, you get, and then you, car- you carve your way through Atlantic Highlands and the Highlands where I live, and you go into Rumson before Sandy Hook, and that's where the goat is. Right. The goat is. I'm sorry, the Red Horse. I'm right, no, right, right, exactly. The Red Hook is actually uh, the Red Horse, you mean, right? The Red Horse, yeah, my mistake. The Red Horse was the Fromagerie restaurant, one of the best in, uh, in the state for sure, underneath Hubert Marcus Peter. And I worked there in high school as a kid. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to buy it. It's called Red Horse now, and we have a Red Horse in White Plains opened about – 12 weeks ago as well, and we plan on more Red Horses throughout uh, in, nice. in the right. The Red Horses are landmark restaurant and are one of our flagships. It's a steakhouse that has some Asian flavors little and sushi. Great place. Beautiful town, Brumson. Yeah, no, it is a beautiful town. I do. I love it there, too. 
uh, Bon Jovi, Springsteen. They'd spend some time there. And then, uh, by the way, folks, if you're on your way down to the shore, check out Orchard Park, another great restaurant by David Burke. So, Berkey, it sounds like uh, the world is great. you got beautiful restaurants up and down the Jersey Shore. You're a famous chef. You're a reverend. You're a doctor. And let me just say this, David. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Congrats. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I really do. No, I know and you I, do. I got, we also have one on the ocean in Seabright. It's called Drift House. I got to mention that. Oh, on the ocean. What's it called again? Drift House by David Burke. And it's in one yes. of the beach clubs in Seabright. Right. And I, it's, a, it's a seafood and pasta restaurant doing extremely well. But you got views of the ocean in the bay. So, and you're right. Orchard Park's probably the prettiest restaurant in New Jersey. Listen, Dave, it's great to talk to you, buddy. Continued success. I'm happy for you. I will see you one of these days at one of your very, very fine restaurants. You've got one in Fort Lee, too. And uh, we will talk again very, very soon. Continued success, buddy. Enjoy your summer. Congrats on your anniversary. Tell Danielle I said hello. Hope to see you. Uh, thank you. I will tell her, David. She loves you, too. Thank you. There he is, folks. What a terrific guy, an extraordinary talented guy, Chef David Burke. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy. Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Which came first Wednesday today, the Sid's Take trivia game. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com, to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built bullies. Rick out in New Jersey. He's our contestant for today. Rick, we are short on time, buddy. we got to blow through these. I'm going to hop right in if that's all right with you. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Which came first? Number one, microphones or dishwashers? Dishwashers. Microphones. Uh, hey, hey, it's all right. It's all right, Rick. Rick, it'll be okay. It'll be it's fine. It's going to be all right. Sun will come out tomorrow. Oh my God. On the number two, <laughs> Ricky. Number two. It's going to be on you. Justin. Contact lenses or the escalator? Escalator. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Over two, Rick. Here we go. <laughs> Number three, Rick, it's okay. Pepsi or Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola. That'll be very good. Spectacular. Super, super, super. Thank you. Okay, as long as you have an equal, an equal reaction in the other direction. Yeah. yeah. You have your priorities all figured yeah. out. <laughs> On to number four, Rick. Solar power or wind energy? Wind energy. Super, super, super. <laughs> <laughs> it's got caller of the week. I think I'm in love with them. All right, on to number five, Rick. Yeah. Two for four. Good timing. Yeah. Steam train or bicycles? Bicycles. Oh. Jesus. Ah, jeez. That's all right, Rick. No worries, bud. Well, two, two for five is a good score. It's kind of bad. Yeah. Not really. All right. Hey, no. now don't sell yourself short. You're a smart man. So it's going to take a big, uh, his turn here. How many to get right? Two for five. All right. All right. Can you hear me? Right. Can you hear nope. me? Can you hear me now? Not a word. All right. <laughs> Number one, microphones or dishwashers? Which came first? Microphones or dishwashers? Yeah, which one? That's now? easy. Yeah, Come what, on. What dishwashers. Nope. Shut up. 
What do you mean, no? Um, I, no, that's the wrong answer. You mean dishwashers, the actual appliance, or people that came to this country no, to dishwash? No, don't you. No, 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 no. Don't you patronize me. The dishwashers me. were here first. No, the machines. Well, Mic- you didn't make that clear. Microphones. I thought you meant migrants. Uh, no. No? No. Uh, or contact lenses. Or the people that go, hey, hello, that's a microphone. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Contact lenses or the escalator. Contact lenses or the escalator. i got to imagine you can't get to the escalator unless you can see where you're going. Oh, wow. Contact lenses. Bang. Very spectacular. Spectacular. Oh, thank you very much. One for two. Mm -hmm. On to number three. Dr. Rosenberg at work. (laughs) (laughs) Pepsi or Coca-Cola? You say Pepsi? I said... (laughs) Like a fart? Okay. You either can't hear me or you can't hear me, but you can't hear wrong things. You said Pepsi. I said Pepsi. Oh, Pepsi. Yes. Pepsi or Coke? Mm. Oh, it's Coke. Come mm-hmm. on. You know that um, in the early days of Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. cocaina was inside the Coca-Cola. Yeah. No. Okay. Hey, come and get some. <laughs> yeah. And here's Sydney with your very well-known fact of the day. Yeah. On to number four. I can win pa- the game if I get this right. Right yeah. here. Yeah. Solar power or wind energy. Solar power, that's the sun. Mm, or oh. wind energy, that's so much. <laughs> God. You know, both of you were just. You are really sun some, some or sort wind. Of what came first? Oh, I got to think the sun was created by God before wind came. God! So I'm going to go with, uh, yes, Eric Adams speaks to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with solar power. No! Oh! Oh. Bring in the scientist, Dr. Rosenberg. Yeah. Shut Wind up, energy. Yeah. Wind turbines, which I am so fond of. Solar power is the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Big fans. Number five. Steam train or bicycles? What was the first one? Steam train. A steam train. Steam train? A train that runs on steam. <laughs> or which one? Bicycles. Well, it's got to be bicycles. You don't need any steam or a train or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. What? No. You're telling me a st- you don't even need anything for a bicycle. It's, it's wheels. Mm. No. No. Two of them connected, though. <laughs> that was a tough one for you, man. Well, I think you had it in the bag, wow. and then all of a sudden you didn't. Nosedive. Well, I don't really know the... Uh, I'm not good at this game. No, you're not. I love playing the game. It's well-written. Who wrote this? Me. Great job. And who hosted it? God. <laughs> I think we're done for today. Is I, that right? I spoke right. to Alec, and he told me to write a good game. Yeah, baby. <laughs> you, did a, you wrote a great game. You hosted a great game. Lewis, you were phenomenal today. Noam Layden, great as well. All of our guests were great. And we'll all be back, as my driver Gene says every morning, God willing, at 6 a.m. tomorrow for a Thursday show. Enjoy your first day of summer today, Wednesday in New York City. Until tomorrow, from all of us on Sid and Friends in the morning, to all of you, peace. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.